Warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Listen, when, when it's messy, it's a problem for everyone in the room. Correct. All ten of them. I'm proud to declare the Adam Sank Show and his ass open to the wind. Ass open to the wind. This is fuckery. <laughs> this is all fuckery. <laughs> fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... Give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sank. <laughs> together. <laughs> Steve is already fake crying. I just, just... Happy New Year, people, and welcome to the very last episode of the Adam Sank Show. At least for now. We never know what the future may hold, so let's call this a long pause. Pregnant pause. A pregnant pause, and if anyone's pregnant, it's Steve Cesaro. <laughs> we are not live, but this is a brand new episode, our last episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on the last day of 2022 at dnrstudios.com and the DNR cast top. The only place you can hear this podcast so the first share. If you listen anywhere else, leave us your ratings and reviews. Fun fact, the show is going to remain, uh, all the episodes are going to remain online, available for listening on all of the uh, streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Amazon Podcast, all of them. They're going to stay up forever, uh, or at least until I stop paying the monthly fee. So you can still leave, <laughs> you can still leave reviews if you would like. Uh, like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. That's really going to be the best way for listeners to keep in touch with me, that and Instagram. Um, get your official ass merch at adamsank.com. Get vaccinated and boosted and stand with Ukraine. Um, the voice you heard crying at the top of the show was our chubby chorizo, soon to be assistant to a very huge celebrity, Steve Cesaro. Hello. I'm just not so chubby anymore either. I've lost help. Steve, please stop pretending that you're upset <laughs> when you're already sexting with Ivan and Austin. Oh my God, I am. The two last guests that we had. <laughs> they're so. You know what? None hey, of them are my the typical pics? type. No, he hasn't said anything oh, yet. Yeah, they're both pretty thin for you, Steve. Yeah, you know, but they're. I'm learning. Hot is hot. If you have a beautiful aura. Aura? Yeah. I'm just say aura. Aura? But aura. <laughs> then I just want you inside me. And, you know, that could be physically, that could be emotionally, that could be mentally, but. Mostly physically. Mostly right. physically. I want to feel it. That's beautiful. And also Thank with you. us one last time is our producer, the queen of fuckery, J.B. Bercy. Hola, como estas? Hola. I want to give a special thank you to J.B. Uh, because not only has he worked so hard for the past five years, but putting together this special is going to be the hardest thing you've ever had to do. There are probably 20 different pieces of audio. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk it's about it It's going to be a lot. That's Honestly, that's why I put the deadline for the 26th for voicemails. So I was like... Okay, bitch, you had a week to slowly get this together, and now it's time for the... I am making JB work his ass off one last time. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but this is our last show, and what I thought we would do today is look back on some of my favorite moments from the past five years. And uh, as JB just mentioned, we are collecting voicemails from listeners. It is too late to leave a voicemail now. Uh, you missed your chance. But uh, we did get a bunch of voicemails, and uh, you can hear those. Uh, throughout this episode, or possibly at the end of the episode. We haven't really decided when we're going to play them. But uh, but thank you. Thank you all for reaching out and expressing your thoughts and feelings. It's really meant a lot to me. I had no idea this many people were listening. 
but uh, apparently a lot of people were. <laughs> so I was thinking that this podcast lasted from, the first episode was April 2017 wow. until now, and so it's, it's just, un, just under five years, and I was thinking about what went on in the world in the time that we have been doing this podcast, because it's been a pretty Whoa. fucking crazy five years. When we started, President Trump, Donald Trump, had been in office for a year and was already fucking everything up. Um, but, but during that time, we had the Me Too movement. If you remember, we started every, every live episode for about three months with the Perv NATO update because there was just an endless list of abusers of women and also some men being revealed. So that was a, a huge social movement, which continues to this day. Then we had COVID, oh God. which was like the first global pandemic in centuries and obviously changed everything and mm -hmm. shut everything down. And we had to do this podcast, or I had to do this podcast from home with Ryan on the phone and the guests on the phone. Then we had the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, which certainly continues and which has changed culture. It's changed laws. It's changed the way that white people uh, think about racism and, and about uh, systemic racism and white privilege. I feel like I know so much more now about those issues than I did when this podcast started. Then we had the 2020 election, <laughs> which was like a brief shining moment of happiness because Trump lost and Joe Biden won. And then immediately after that was January 6th, this insane, violent insurrection, the likes of which we'd never seen in this country. Um, and then we had the 2022 elections, which in many ways were, was another repudiation of Trump because Republicans uh, lost the Senate again and barely won the House and most of Trump's candidates lost. Yep. And then just in the past couple of weeks, we had marriage equality pass. And now Steve is sneezing. <laughs> Steve is so overwhelmed by my list of cultural movements that he had to sneeze. I was allergic to what has happened in the past. But isn't that crazy that all that happened in five in years? In just five years. Just think about it. We were locked in our homes for a year and a half with terrified of what was going to happen. And that, was, that happened in the last five years. Uh, Steve, by the way, we have a very special visitor at our door. Can you let him in? Oh, yeah. Well, it's Santa. Special visitor. Santa's a week late. Uh, JB, your thoughts about that? Um, you know, as someone who is a millennial who grew up in crazy times, like, this, this has been my life and my struggle, period. Like, it's always been one mayhem after another, again, 9-11, uh, the anthrax scare. Ugh. Honestly, this is why I have gray hairs early and I'm losing my hair. I would say that, I mean, yes, 9-11 was the most seismic event of my lifetime. But then we had, like, relative calm yeah. for, like, two decades. I mean, and then with mm. the election of Trump, all of this other shit happened. Okay, so I, I can see why you could say relative calm, but it wasn't relative calm for me. There were, I still had to worry about the police, which was... Crazy hassling. Right. I mean, I'm sense. speaking it's from a place of white privilege, for sure. Yeah. It, I meant more in terms of, like, geopolitical events. Okay, yeah. There wasn't anything ground-shaking, but every day I walked out my house, I still had to get the warning from my mother, 
you know, keep your hands in your pockets. Don't bother no one. And the police stop you. It's all their questions. Hands out the pockets. Don't get shot. It, that, <laughs> that was my morning routine out the house every day. So to me, you know, I don't know. It was still a little scary, but was it like a monumental event every fucking day like there is today, which I feel. Like. Right. Yeah, it's been crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the next five years are going to hold. I continue to have a little bit of optimism simply because Trump did lose in 2020 and again yes, in did. 2022. And I do feel like th his moment has passed. Not that he's not going to continue to yeah. do everything he can to destroy everything, but, uh, but I feel like finally, finally, uh, people are getting wise to his shtick. <clears throat> yeah. And hopefully he'll be prosecuted. Maybe by the time this airs, he could be facing a, a criminal prosecution by the Justice Department. I hope. Seems close. <clears throat> oh, I should have gotten water before I started this hour. This is our third hour. Um, Okay, so later in this hour, I'm going to reveal... Well, first, we're going to talk about our top... Uh, at the end, we're going to do our top yep. 10 most downloaded episodes ever. Before that, I'm going to reveal my top least favorite guests of all time. Ooh. I'm going to be spilling some tea. You do love a list. Um, but first, I do love a list. But first, uh, to put together this special, I wanted to do like sort of the best of the best moments. So I went through all of the best of ass specials, which, by the way, if you include this one, we did 15, wow. 15 best of ass specials. And there was no way I could listen to 15 hours and select the best clip from each. Um, also, some of our best interview segments, we've already repeated many times. Like, how many more times do you need to hear the Rocco Steele interview? Everyone's heard it. Or Dolph Dietrich. I mean, these were amazing guests. Yeah. But... They've already been listened to again and again. So what I did was I went through each special. <laughs> thank you. And I took the best five minutes of one clip from each special. All right. Through the end of 2021. I didn't include any of from 2022 because they were recent. So five minutes from 12 of the best of asses. This was not a scientific method, but it was the best that I could do on my own. And honestly... These are really fun segments, and some of them have never been repeated, or if they were, they haven't been repeated for years. Um, now, I should say there are a lot of people who were very important to the ass that are not included in these clips that should have been. People like Scott Lowell, Peter Page, Drew Drogi, mm. Marty Thomas, Dolph Dietrich, Jack McEnroth, and of course Sanjaya, whom you did get to hear musically last week. But... Um, you do get to hear what I consider to be some iconic guests and just some really, really fun segments that I am particularly proud of. I also want to acknowledge three people who were very important to the ass who are no longer with us. The first is listener Charles from Cornville, Aww. whom I always refer to as Charles from Cornhole. Charles was like our number one fan, yeah. even before Gail. He called live every single week, almost from, I think he was on the first episode. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, he passed in July of 2019, and we miss him terribly. Um, pop star Ari Gold did two episodes with us and was a friend of mine for over 20 years. He died in 2021 after a long and brave battle with a blood disease, AML. And, of course, ADD Jeff, my original co-host, whom we lost this past March, um, and I understand from JB that there's going to be a tribute uh, special. Honestly, I think at the same time this is playing, the Jeff episode I already played later that week on DNR. 
Right, so DNR Studio subscribers, keep your eyes open for that. That's going to be very special. All these people brought a lot to the show and also to the earth, and we miss them terribly, and I just wanted to acknowledge their, um, our loss of them before we went into the best of the best. And speaking of ADD, Jeff, uh, I thought it would be fun for you guys to hear the very first thing that listeners ever heard from the Adam Sank Show on our very first episode, which was April 15th, 2017, Jeff was in studio with me along with Katie. There was an intern named Orlando. This was pre-JB. Um, our guest was Gerald McCulloch, the actor, and he had made a, a, a documentary about male strippers. And we had a mystery guest at the end of the, sh of the episode, which was Bianca Del Rio. Um, but the first thing you're going to hear is my legendary and now canceled impersonation of Dr. Maya Angelou. If, if, those, <laughs> if you ever listened to the Derek and Romaine show back in the day on Sirius XM, whenever I would call in or be on the show, I would, I would be the ghost of Dr. Maya Angelou. And it was very popular with a lot of their listeners. I didn't really do it on this show because times have changed and it's really not so cool for a white guy to be imitating a legendary black female poet. But that is the first thing you'll hear from this episode, April 15th, 2017. Greetings, Derek and Romaine listeners. It is I, the ghost of novelist, humanitarian, poetess, and most importantly, friend of Oprah, Dr. Maya Angelou. As you know, I rarely make earthly appearances, but there is something today happening that is so monumental so much greater than the Mastodon that I felt the need to come down to earth and announce it. It is not the impeachment of Donald Trump. That doesn't happen for another six months. P.S. It's happening. I see all. No, it is the premier radio broadcast of alleged comedian Adam Sank. And so please, welcome to the airwaves now that loudmouthed homo himself, Mr. Adam Sank. Oh my God, thank you, Dr. Maya Angelou. Yes, it is I, Adam Sank, coming to you live from the Derek and Romaine studios here in Times Square. I am so friggin' excited. It only took, how many years have I been doing Derek and Romaine show? Probably about 15 years. I, I've lost count. Um, but finally, they let me uh, have the microphone all to myself uh, Derek and Romaine are not in the studio today. However, they clearly were terrified to leave me on my own. So we have a full house. We have Katie Kate Kate uh, at the board and producing the show. We have ADD Jeff, uh, who for some reason is naked. I, I don't understand why that happened. And I'm he's, not naked. He, well, they don't have to know that, Jeff. It's radio. They all see me on the camera. Oh, fuck you. See, you're already bombing my show. Don't speak, Jeff. Jeff is working the phones and killing my jokes. And uh, we also have a, a, a lovely intern uh, named Orlando, who the listeners are probably familiar with by now. Um, and we have you guys. We have your phone calls. Please call me at 844-TALK-DNR. That's 844-825-5367. Um, we are going to be talking about a lot of things today. Also, uh, my special guest, Gerald McCulloch, fabulous, hot, out, gay director and actor. Gerald, Gerald McCulloch, you might know him from C CSI, from Bear City, from the movie Daddy. He has a brand new documentary about male strippers that actually just started streaming today. I have seen it. It is full frontal. It is awesome. We will talk to him about what it was like making that documentary 
uh, which I have a feeling was a labor of love for him. And we also have a mystery guest. At the end of today's broadcast, a mystery guest will join us. And uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but it's very exciting. And uh, and those, so I, I'll give a clue. This is how it's going to work. I'll give a clue later in the show as to the identity of the mystery guest. And the first caller who picks up on the clue and guesses correctly will win a CD, a signed autograph CD of Adam Sank live from the Stonewall Inn. You can see that as either a prize or a punishment, depending on uh, on how you feel about my stand-up comedy. Oh, thank you. Clearly the masses are excited. And also a prize to the very first phone caller to the Adam Sank Show, because this is historic, whoever this phone caller is, and I believe someone is on the line. Is that right, Jeff? Yes, Adam, we have Karen on the line. Hello? Karen, you say what? What? <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. You're our first caller thought... ever, Karen. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you knew somebody was listening, and also to know that it's not going over the podcast. I have to go through the app. What, what, what? It goes what, what? The webs- it's not going over the podcast. I have to go through the um, website. Katie, explain that. Uh, what the no, fuck? that happening? would be something I explain. All right, explain uh, what's going on. It, it wasn't in the first two minutes of the ten-minute intro, but it should be starting up in the podcast app now. God damn it! Awesome. I just want you guys to know. So, well, thank I'm you. For... Very excited and congratulations. Thank you, Lovey. Where are you calling from? Boston. And uh, were you on the Love Cruise? Have I met you? No. But you're a fan I'm of Derek. I'm a single mom. I can't do that. Aw, you poor thing. I can't thing. afford it. How old's your, how old's your kid? He's 16. Oh, nice. You still breastfeeding? Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right, well. Ka- Karen, thank you for uh, being my first caller. I really appreciate it. It is nice to know that at least one person is listening. Keep listening and stay oh, on the line. Oh, there's li- a lot of people listening, Adam. Thank you. We'll stay on the Just line. Just lazy. <laughs> Stay on the line. Jeff will take your info, and uh, and then uh, I'll send you a CD if you want one. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, honey. All right, I'm going to put you on hold, and Katie, the producer, will Speaking of people listening, it didn't take long uh, after this show was announced on social media and on um, DerekandRomaine.com that a plethora of listeners discovered that Adam Sank Show, the letters of Adam Sank Show, also spell out ass, A-S-S. And so if you are listening to the show, I would like to know that you're out there, and I would like you to tweet about the fact that you're listening to the very first Adam Sank show. Uh, uh, tag me, tag DNR, uh, DNR show, and um, hashtag ass. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Whatever happened to listener Karen, our very first caller? I wonder if she stuck with us all these years. Karen, if you're listening, <laughs> drop me an email at adam at adamsank.com. Um, I want to uh, let listeners know that we have a special guest who just arrived in the studio. You heard his uh, beautiful rendition of Blue Christmas last week. Ooh. It is my ex-boyfriend and now very close friend, Patrick Bod. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure Hi. to be here. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Get closer to the mic. Thank you for coming for, for our very, very last episode. You were a fan of the ass. Yes. And not just my ass, but the actual no, show. No, not just your ass, but the ass, the show. Yeah, whenever I go on a road trip, I listen to you the whole time. Why do you sound sick? Oh. Were you up very late last night? I may have been up late last night, yeah. Were you at one of your hipster Brooklyn haunts totally doing God well, knows there what? There was like a pup slash drag slash burlesque party, mm. um, which is basically all the things, and everybody was there, and it was fun, and I was there late. And I'm screaming over music. That's really what you're hearing. I've never heard you like this. How late were you there? Uh, uh, when they closed, one. 
Oh, that's yeah, not that way. That late. And then but did I was you go somewhere else? No, hmm. I went home and went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in Puerto Rico last week. Oh, right, you were in Puerto Rico. Yeah. We're yeah. very jealous. Four days. Yeah, it was wonderful. In San Juan. In San, yes, in San Juan. Beautiful. It was beautiful. The beaches, the people. I want to go back. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for contributing to our Christmas special last week. My pleasure. Beautiful. Um, so our first ever Best of Ass special was a year after that, in 2018. We went a whole year without doing a special. The first one was the Best of Ass Memorial Day special on May 27th, 2018. Um, the clip that I'm going to play now is actually from February 18th of that year. Uh, our friend Joey DeGrandis, Steve, was guest co-hosting. Oh, yeah. I love Joey, and he actually guest hosted quite a few of these. Joey's very smart and oddly adorable in like a not adorable but adorable sort of way. And we also grew up in a very similar town. He was five minutes away from me, but he grew up in the very posh town of Gates Mills, Ohio. And I grew up in Mayfield Heights, which is very suburbia. Every house looked exactly the same. It was like 900 square feet. Have you two ever stooped? No, I would like to, though. I think so. Although, I feel like he's your type. But he's also a little... Does he listen? I probably. I love you. Never mind. <laughs> He's a little what? No, we'll, we'll discuss it later. As oh. the, I don't want to get hate. Oh my. We had a falling out a few Shade. years ago. You did? Yeah, but I think we're we're friends again. This is so brand new that. information. I'll leave it at that. So Joey, we can. Sh- what do you can call I just it? say Sh- something? Stup. 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 I want to know after when we're off the air because the two of you are like the nicest people I know. You never fight with anyone. It's hard to imagine you having a falling out with anyone, let alone Joey DeGrandis. I was enforcing uh, rules and protocol, and he was having other. Oh, it was a chorus thing. Uh-huh. All right. Well, in any case, uh, this is uh, from February 18th, 2018, as I said. Joey was co-hosting, and our guests were Broadway stars Jen Cody and Hunter Foster. Now, Hunter and I went to college together, in the early 90s at the University of Michigan. And then, coincidentally, he and his wife, Jen, moved in across the hall from me about 15 years ago. So I knew him then. I know him now. They're both incredible, uh, incredibly talented performers. Hunter's a Tony nominee. He's a, a writer, a director, a producer. Jen does voiceovers. They both perform all over the country. Um, here it is, Jen Cody and Hunter Foster talking about how they met. What I have always wondered, and I don't know the answer to this, is how you two met. And I want to guess that it was maybe when you both were touring with cats. That's it. Yes. And I don't mean the musical. I mean you were touring we with were, actual we had cats. A bunch yes. of cats in the back of a car. And a Winnebago. And, yeah. <laughs> no, you were both touring. You were, was it a national tour? It was. Um, I had been out first. Hunter joined the company, um, and my I think you're uber talented, honey. But you know what he was not good at the makeup. Oh, you so, had to do your own. You had to do your own makeup, and so. You, he would always look like a stroke victim. Like there was always one side that was just a little off. Strokey cat. But I fell in love with that. Yeah, strokey cat. And you guys were super young, right? You were both we just were, out of... We were young, yes. It was our first... It was my first job job. It was my first job. Yeah. Right out of college. Wow. I mean, that's pretty fucking great. Your first job's a national tour. Yeah, and yeah, we're still cool. together. That's the well, great that's part. Well, that's crazy. That's so I'm imagining that you, your eyes met and you said, oh my God, Hunter's the only straight guy here. Yes. <laughs> I'm getting him. Yes. Is that what that happened? That's actually the exact thing. I'd been out on the road a year and I was like, uh-uh. I'm, that's the straight one I'm taking. But she it. had to beat out. There was someone else. Wow, look at a beat out. It was a competition. Yeah, it was a competition because it was, there, was, there was another uh, girl that was there who was... Woman. I, no, she, well, she was a young woman. She was... Uh, <laughs> but she, didn't, she didn't seem like a woman. I mean, she was... 
Yes, I mean, she yes, did. She was a <laughs> you yeah, micro cheating hunter. But she was micro cheating. She was a tall, leggy Irish. I, she had an accent. Oh. That's all I'm saying about that. Yeah, yeah. That's but ridiculous. Yeah. They'll get you. I love that. I don't know you. this gentleman's name, but yawning. JB. JB is our associate producer. JB, you're yawning during this uh, story. What? It, don't, don't mind me. Don't, don't <laughs> mind me. Heterosexuality <laughs> bores him. All right. Here's the deal. I'm going to make it a little more racy for you. So I, I had to, like, scandalously get this guy, right? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going against the leggy br- uh, Irish girl with the huge breasts and the blonde hair. So... We should mention that Jen, while beautiful, is rather petite. I'm very small. So um, I called ahead to the next hotel we were going to, and I found out what room he was in. And I got the room across the hall. Oh, my goodness. And, mm-hmm, I didn't know this till a couple years ago, so I didn't yeah. realize that I was being stalked. Yeah. Yeah. Stalker. I would listen at my door in the morning. When I'd hear him leave, I would go down, because I knew you having breakfast in the hotel lobby, of course, because that's the only place on tour. And I would walk into the room like, Three minutes after he had sat down, you conveniently like, hey. timed it. Hey, yeah. yeah. and he'd go, nice. "Oh, you you want to sit?" I'm like, "Sure, that'd be great." So I kind of stalked him. You crafty little <laughs> slut. <laughs> she did. And what happened to the Irish woman? Is she still in the business? No, I don't, I don't know where so. she is. She went back to Ireland and is now working as a barmaid. I saw her on the side of the street coming here today. But coincidentally, um, the way I actually ultimate grabbed him and pulled him in is that he was laying by the pool, and I went and laid next to him in a thong. Oh, my oh, goodness. Okay. She pulled out all, all the ass. guns. Yeah, Jen has a fantastic ass. We've actually had contests, <laughs> and Jen's the only one whose ass can beat mine. Well, he, he parades it a lot. Well, we have a picture of you in the, in the assless jeans. Assless chaps. Like it was uh, nose jeans. It was oh, assless was it? jeans about 10 years ago. They were jeans. It was a New Year's Eve. Okay. I think I was high. Yeah. yeah. And I just <laughs> sure. showed up you at your door. High. No, but you took your pants down, and he was in his assless jeans, and we, we took, took side-by-side pictures of, of... I need to see that picture, because my, my ass was probably at its peak then. It's definitely been on the decline Aww. ever <laughs> since. You guys are really I still think your ass is wonderful. Well, thank you, JB. Are you talking to me or Jen? JB's awake. Both parties. So sweet. You needed to spice it up a little. So back to you guys. So you guys were in Cats, and then somehow you both you both wound up in Greece on Broadway, correct? Yes. How did that happen? I mean, if, if can I just say it seems like you had an, an immediate success as actors, which is not the norm in any way. Um, I mean, it, right. I mean, I think it's it, it's difficult. It was def- especially difficult back then because uh, there weren't as many shows. I think there were like eight Broadway shows. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I had terrible luck when I first got here. I didn't get anything. I was just going after audition after audition. For what, a month? Money. No, you were, you were like in your early 20s when you were in Greece. Well, it's like, I mean, I mean, I, it was, but I, you, you get discouraged because you go on like 40 auditions and you're like, don't even get anything. And then you're like, oh God, am I going to be able to make it? And then, you know, it, it literally happened within like two weeks that I got cats in Greece. I could oh, you got same, them at the same time? I got them within two weeks of each other. And Jen, and Jen, you were yeah. were you in Greece at the same time he was? Um, yeah, so I came back. I did Cats in New York, and then um, I left Cats. So, Ka- so I'm sorry. So Cats was your first Broadway yes. musical. Yes. And Greece was yours, yeah. Hunter. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And um, I auditioned for the first National of Greece that was going out, and mm. I got that. And the first four weeks I was out on the road, the girl playing my part in New York gave her notice. What part was that? Cha Cha. And they brought me back in. So I, we had gone through this whole thing that I'm going to go away for a while. It's going to be terrible. And then it was four weeks and I got to come back. So and what were you lucky. playing, Hunter? Uh, I was Roger. 
Who's Roger? The Mooner. Hashtag oh. ass. Oh. Hashtag Just ass. Both of your asses ass. were exposed. Oh, yeah. And well, you're the best uh, dancer at St. Bernadette's. The with the worst dancer. reputation. With the worst reputation. See, you it do fits. know some shit. I know some. Good I for you, some. Joey. You, know you just earned your gay card. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. I love Jen and Hunter. They were very pleased that they were selected to be on our final ass. Aww. This next clip like is it. yes. This next clip is from our summer special of August twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. The episode uh, that we're going to clip from originally ran on June tenth of that year. So this is twin brother comedians Stone and Stone. Uh, they are a comedy team that I first met when we were all on Last Comic Standing together. Um, Adam is straight. Todd is gay and had just recently come out when we did this interview. The twins. Yes. Okay. I them now. They are, this is one of my favorite interviews because they are so interesting to listen to. They're really neurotic, especially Todd. And their interview is just like their comedy act. They talk over each other. They interrupt one another. They're constantly sort of checking each other. And particularly with Todd, I never know if he's being serious or joking. Sometimes I laugh when he's not trying to be funny oh, and vice no. versa. But I was trying to get him to tell his coming out story. And he kept interrupting himself every 30 seconds. And Adam kept stopping him and saying, <laughs> you're not going to talk about that, are you? And I was, it was just such a mess. Um, and we start with Todd revealing the fact that he's never sucked a cock even though he's been out for two years or had been at that point. So Poor, in New York, too. I know. Poor guy. Take a listen to this clip of Stone and Stone. Do you know at, that I've never given a full-on blowjob? What? Uh-huh. All right. And, well, yet, and yet I've been... Are we going to get The only that? reason why I mention this, listeners, is that <laughs> Adam keeps telling me to put the... The mic is very phallic, and it's like it's right thick. in front of my it's face. It's like a beer can and, cock. And, it, so, and he keeps telling me to yeah. bring my mouth closer to it. So that's the only reason I just want to make that. sure that we hear you. Now, uh, so speaking of which, we were all on uh, Last Comic Standing mm-hmm. Season we 6 were. together back in 2008. You two made it a lot farther than I did because no. I have no talent. Hardly. It, that it's a joke. Now, I had always assumed that you were both gay <laughs> uh, as, we, as we recently uh, determined, but it turns out only one of you is gay and, and the gay one, Todd, you only came out fairly recently. Yeah. What, what, how did that work? When did you come out and how? So I, I guess it was a process. Should I tell the whole story? We got nothing know. but time here. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so, well, I guess I came out. Is this, uh, I came out to my parents and to my brother, first to, to my brother. Yeah. Um, when I was um, 18 or 19. I was 19. just 19. And, and I always then, think of that number as Can I Bruno? be serious? Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. Oh, serious? It's, okay. a, it's a dramedy. It's a dramedy. It's a dramedy. Excellent. <laughs> when I was, uh, when I tell people my story, it's no longer going to be intimate because I will have said this on the right. But anyway, oh, it, no. it still will be intimate. It's in, this is intimate right now, right? Yes, yes very. There's like four people in the room. A, you have a, you yeah, have yeah, our yeah. attention. So we, hear right we only have, we only have several hundred listeners. It's a boutique show. Excellent. I like that. So I, I told my brother when I was 19, sophomore year of college mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I was probably more interested in. I wasn't necessarily straight, is the way I put it. Kind of like is that how you put it? I don't remember that. Well, I said that to the to all to mom and dad. Oh, okay. Okay. But maybe to you, I'm not necessarily straight. Yeah, yeah. No, but I said that to mom and dad. I said, you know, I'm not necessarily like all you know. Like I don't necessarily like girls exclusively. But anyway, so so I said that to you first, then to the parents about Mm -hmm. two weeks later. 19 years old. Okay, 
Then a few well, Let me interrupt for one sec. Adam, when he told you that, were you surprised or did you have an inkling? You know, I, I didn't really think about it or care. I, I mean, it was really just like when you're of that age, like, you know, you have your mindset, you assume everyone is kind of thinking the way you do about sexuality and stuff. But like, you know what the weird thing about being told that someone's gay? If someone, if you find out that someone's gay, I think everyone just automatically connects the dots. And it's like, oh, okay, I could see that. Now that you say that, okay, that makes sense. And that could be about anyone on the planet. Right. Like you say, oh, that person's gay. Okay, so they're like that. That makes sense. So like, like yeah, I had a little of, okay, that would make, but no, I didn't see But it. I have I to imagine care. when it's your identical <clears throat> twin who comes out to you, yeah. it's not the same as when a, a non-twin brother or a sister or a, a friend comes out to you, you right? I because hear, you, you grew up like, yeah. Fused at the at the hip. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, not literally. They're not Siamese. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know. We've I, never even really had this conversation about like, did you know? Oh, good. Well, no. I, I love this. Someone, you, some twin woman, the twin woman asked me that. You weren't on the phone, but I was I talking still about haven't that. Met with her. <coughs> yeah, anyway, there's a twin specialist who we've been talking to. Anyway. <laughs> like yeah, a twin yeah. therapist? No, no like no. a specialist. She's, she's at her once and she's, she's like an academic and she's been interviewing. She's studying you. She's studying us. So. I don't, I, I really haven't, yeah, when he said it, I was like, okay, cool, I could see that, fine, and then, but I didn't know, it was a surprise. Right. And, uh, but not a huge one, and then it's like, okay, cool, let's, what's the next step? Let's move forward. Sorry if that's not And I wasn't afraid exciting, to tell him, and I wasn't yeah. afraid that he would be at all, you know, not accepting. Yeah, I mean, right. we, we did, after that moment, we stopped having sex with each other, because I <laughs> exactly. thought that might be a little... <laughs> Triggering or something for him because yeah. I thought it was just we, we just yeah, had sex but it wasn't a yeah, gay we thought it was a just, a, like, it was just twin a twin thing, thing. Just and a then I was connection. like okay you know what now can I yeah. tell you if my friend Walt is listening to this he yeah. just started masturbating because that's his <laughs> ultimate fantasy oh really He's twins all about identical twins oh wow so Todd to continue with your story so you you told Adam and your parents when you were nineteen so yeah I told them when I was nineteen and I don't want to get the to, you know serious here unless but anyway he'll be the funny one for today okay. okay? So, um, uh, don't worry about being funny. I can make it funny. If okay, I you help, you'll make it funny. <laughs> so anyway, so then I went, uh, so then like a few days later, so I told my parents, they were like, okay, I think they were surprised. Um, and so a few days later, my dad came over to me and he was like, you know, I, I've done a little research. Wow. You're going there. Well, yeah, that's okay. what I was going to do. I get it. Don't, Shit. don't, don't, uh, do don't muzzle not, him. Why okay. would you I'm not going to muzzle him. Like, I'm so sorry. I mean, sorry. I don't have to. No. I, I'm not placing blame on anyone. It, okay. Is it like, safe to say your dad had a, had a problem with it at, at first? No, I, I don't think he, I had a problem with it. That's uh -huh. the reason why I came out only two years ago. I didn't want to be gay. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Patrick, uh, what's your favorite episode of the Adam Sank Show? Oh my God, my favorite episode. That's an insane question. Uh, gosh, I loved the Sanjaya episode. Yeah. I thought you put so much work into that and and it was so interesting to hear from him again. And um, yeah, I he was on my radar. He was part of like the zeitgeist for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think he his story and what happened to him needed to be examined again. I'm glad you gave him like a chance to do that. I loved it. Thank you. I'm proud of that. And he's making music again. That's the best part. Yeah. Adam, he seems been... like a really nice guy. He's lovely. Adam, what's been your favorite episode of The Ass? Mm. 
Uh, it's like asking to choose my favorite child. Uh, yes, you and I don't have, have any. a favorite child. <laughs> I don't have any. I mean, we're going to do a clip in a little bit that when we get to it, I'll tell you, I think, I think may have been my favorite guest <clears throat> of all time. But um, I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite episode. There are moments from each episode that I'm like, oh, my God, that was hilarious or that was great or that was really, we were just really clicking at that point. But, um, yeah, I don't really have a favorite episode. Uh, but this next clip is definitely one of my favorites, and this is uh, from a Best of Ass we did in December of 2018. The clip originally aired on November 10th of that year, and this was Glenn Scarpelli and Stephen Wallum, who were starring uh, at the time in a TV movie called Sacred Journeys, which also starred Mackenzie Phillips. Now, Glenn Scarpelli and Mackenzie Phillips, if you don't know, were on the original series One Day at a Time, which I watched religiously as a child always like wanted to be Glenn Scarpelli, wanted to date Glenn Scarpelli. And I became Facebook friends with him a few years before I started this podcast. And when I reached out to him to be on the show, he was so lovely. So this wasn't even his first appearance, but he was uh, on the phone from Sedona, Arizona. Stephen Wallum, who uh, you'll remember from Nurse Jackie and a ton of other TV shows and movies, he was in studio. And uh, this is my interview with them from, what did I say? November 10th mm -hmm. of 2018. On Nurse Jackie, you played Thor, a nurse living with type 1 diabetes. Not everyone knows that you also live with type, type 1 diabetes. And I read in an interview that you hate Julia Roberts' performance <laughs> as a diabetic in Steel Magnolias. Okay, I, well, I, you know, years, I, I don't know if hate is the right word. Shame. I don't, Julia Roberts. No, 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 I don't, <laughs> I don't blame Julia Roberts at all. I'm actually a huge Julia Roberts fan. Just for years, and I used to do, I did an entire show about, um, about being a diabetic and a type 1 diabetic and all the misconceptions that are out there. And what has always bugged me about that particular scene in Steel Magnolias is that I personally, and I have been corrected by other type 1 diabetics since, so I take <laughs> this back. My experience when I have an insulin reaction, which is what is represented in the famous scene. In the scene, beauty shop. In the beauty shop. She flails about so wildly. She's pulling things out of her hair. That is the complete opposite of what my experience of having a, a uh, insulin reaction is. So what's to me, it, what's it really like? To me, to me, it's you, you, you have no energy at all. You are famished. You are hungrier than imagine the hungriest you've ever been, and then multiply that by about ten. And you're sweating. You're disoriented. Um, so the whole when I as a kid when I saw that scene for the first time and already being a type one diabetic. And sort of like what we mentioned before, there were that was it as far as diabetic characters it being represented on you. screen. A little bit, but it also kind of pissed me off because I just felt like, well, we never see scenes of diabetic characters ever. And now this is the first time I've ever seen an insulin reaction recreated, and it's completely wrong, in my opinion. I've had a handful of type 1 diabetics contact me after those comments and say, well, I do flail about, and I don't I think they're lying. But, um, <laughs> but here's the cool thing. Because of the, because of the organization that I was involved with when I was doing um, diabetes awareness a few years ago, and I still have a PSA that's, that's been running forever, um, and I went around the country talking about it, and this particular group contacted Lifetime when they did the remake of Steel Magnolias, and they set up a 
a phone conversation between me and one of the producers to sort of air my feelings about the original Steel Magnolias and say, and so I had this lovely conversation and said, look, this is, you know, just something to keep in mind when you're doing this remake that the whole flailing about and, you know, she practically punched Dolly Parton in the face. Yes, you I know, remember. I mean, that's, I said, just maybe think about that that's not necessarily representative not authentic. of what, it, yeah. And I watched the remake and I, I thought they did a great job. Well, I say drink your juice, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you. And now yeah. it's time for everyone's favorite game, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. In the movie, which one of you is the bottom and which one is the top? <laughs> Almost a spit take. I was drinking coffee. <laughs> uh, I think Mackenzie is the top. Yes. <laughs> Always. At the end. Yeah. Always. And you're both bottoms. <laughs> Next to Mackenzie, yes. And we're both bottoms. I love that answer, Stephen. <laughs> Uh, but Glenn, did you ever give that thought as you were playing this, uh, the boyfriend of Steven, which one of you would be the more dominant in bed? I know I did. I don't know about him. Oh, I know I did too. No, Steven would definitely, um, Tom would have definitely topped Marco. Nice. That'll be in yeah. the sequel, I hope. Um, do, uh, have either of you ever gotten a hard on while filming a scene? No, not huh. me. Not me either. No. It's so technical. I mean, there, and I've, again, I've really never, I, I have yet to do any sort of real love scene in a, I got married on Nurse Jackie, which was lovely, but it wasn't a. Which was so incredible, Steve. Yeah, yeah it was, it but was it was, it was, incredible it wasn't a love scene, love scene. So right. I have yet to experience that, but you know, it's so, being on a set is so technical that I, I would think it would be very tough to sort of lose yourself erection-wise, <laughs> but I don't know. Glenn, didn't you get a hard-on when you were a child and Al Pacino whispered in your ear during a Broadway show? Okay, so yes. What? That did happen. <laughs> what? I believe you, you told us that last time you were on the show. I, I, did, I did tell you that. So, But basically what that was was, you know, in the wings, right before he went on, <laughs> it was dark, there was not a lot of people around. There was this sense of um, the, the mood was different than... You know, 45 people looking at you with lights on, with the camera right there, which is what Steven's referring to. But I was young, and I was exploring, and I was like, you know, I had a huge crush on Al Pacino. That's the bottom line. And I was 12. I mean, the wind blows. You get a heart on it. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and what was, it that he, those what was it that he whispered in your ear again? Oh, actually, it wasn't anything, you know, that would have encouraged a heart on <laughs> This is Glenn Scarpelli's Me Too moment. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. I'm so glad Glenn Scarpelli made our final special because he really is the loveliest man and he's been such a great friend to me and to the show from the very beginning. I love you, Glenn. Thank you. Can I say meeting Stephen Willem was like kind of a dream of mine because I love Nurse Jackie and he was one of my favorite characters on that. I never you know, knew. Yeah. I, I think we talked about one. that. Before, like, not on air, but you and I, when you told me he was coming, you and I had talked about it because of Nurse Jackie. I don't remember. You know what's so funny? This past, this past year, you have revealed so many things about so yourself. So much. I feel like I, I know so, and I've learned a lot from you just from your experiences and what you talk about. It's been really... JB's like an onion. You are. I am onion. I have many different layers. I make people cry. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> That's true. Well, Stephen Wallen was in Bros, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Um, so this next clip, uh, this is from March 9th of 2019. Joanne Filan was co-hosting, as she did many times. And this was a guy, we had him on twice, 
This was his first appearance. It's Michael Rice, and at the time he was out with his documentary Party Boy, which was about the epidemic of crystal meth in the gay black male community. This is a really important segment because if you listen, I mean, I sound like a fucking idiot, and you can tell that this is pre-Black Lives Matter because of the questions I'm asking and the way I'm asking them. But what Michael did very patiently um, was he challenged my assumptions and he educated me. He literally educated me in this clip. So please take a listen to this interview with the great Michael Rice. You mentioned uh, a, a lot of the film is focused on the death of a young man named Jamel Moore. Yes. Who died under uh, very mysterious circumstances at the home of a, of a wealthy political donor in West Hollywood named Ed Buck. Who is Ed Buck and why is he important to this story? Edward Bernard Buck, otherwise known in the media as Ed Buck, serial mm. predator is a mega donor to the California Democratic Party. He is also an LGBT and animal rights activist in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And what really struck me with this story, especially coming, being a black man and being a gay black man on top of that, is that he had two black bodies in his house and he was never even taken down for questioning. But if it was me on the other hand and I had two white gay men or two white gay mm -hmm. escorts in my home, I possibly would have been arrested on, on the spot and questions asked later. And so we right. feel that there's an injustice with this. And so Ed Buck has gotten off. He continues to pray and be online, especially Adam for Adam, and, and use that format to lure mostly young men under the age of 30, young black men under the age of 30, to participate in meth use. And if you do your research, uh, Jamel Moore even stated that Ed Buck is the gentleman who got me addicted to crystal meth. Oh now, let's, let's be clear about a couple things. First of all, these are all allegations. Yeah. The police haven't officially charged him with anything. Mm -hmm. um, some say there hasn't been any kind of investigation. Others say there may be in investigations beginning. But, but just to be clear about what happened, on two separate occasions, a gay black man was found dead of a drug overdose in Ed Buck's apartment. Yes. And the, the allegation, the belief, is that Ed Buck has some kind of fetish involving shooting up black men with meth or, ha or making them, encouraging them to shoot themselves up mm -hmm. to the point where they overdose and die. Yes. And there's something with long johns and photographs. Yeah. What, what is that? So I had the opportunity within the documentary to interview Jamel Moore's mother, Letitia Nixon, who has been a strong advocate uh, for Jamel Moore and also Timothy Ding during this um, hardship and during this time, as well as the other activists, uh, Jerome Kitchen and Jasmine Kanick, which have been so dear to Miss Nixon in fighting for the justice of Jamel Moore. But in interviewing his mother, she details exactly what her son said, as well as his, his diary stating, which is factual, his diary does state that he uh, states that Ed Buck shot him up with crystal meth. But the mother also explained that when her son was telling him about the situation is that he wasn't necessarily in it for the act of intercourse, for sex, that his grat sexual gratification came from seeing them use meth and to see how much they can endure and to how, how much they can take before it's too much. Now, to me, that becomes something sick something sinister and something insidious. It's like you know, conducting human experiments. It's like it's, conducting it's, human, that's Nazi shit. Right. It, it is. It is. You know. Exactly. And so I thought it was really disgusting. And one of his fetishes was when you come through his door, 
you have to take off your street clothes and put on the clothes that he lays out for you, which in most cases I think is a red shirt and white long johns with white, white tube socks. And you have to wear that in order to participate in the act. Now, take in mind, I know a lot of people are saying, like, well, why should we feel sorry for these individuals? I mean, there's a lot of people that go through circumstances. We're human beings. We're complex. You know, when we talk about escorts and sex workers and things of that nature, I don't want to just judge everyone hands down and make it seem like they're, they're less than a person. Jamel was a person. Jamel was an individual. He was a son. He was a brother. He was a, a friend to many, many individuals. But a lot of times we're complex as human beings and we go through hardships. You know, I'm not make, trying to make an excuse for everyone, but this young man saw a way, especially when he was at a time where he was homeless and uh, in L.A. and he was away from his family, that it was a come up. It was a way for me to, you know, keep living and eating. And so probably what he didn't know was the extent of what it was going to come to, especially when it came to dealing with ending his life. Well, one of the more tragic aspects of his story as his mother explains, is that he had left L.A. He had gotten out of there and away from Mr. Buck mm-hmm. and then decided to return. And on the day he returned, that was the, the day that he died. he died. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's it's awful. just, and mm-hmm. she tried to keep him from, from going back. She right. said, don't go back. Right. You make some very bold, I'm going to call them suggestions. Mm-hmm. In, it, uh, to me, it seemed, in your in your movie, to the effect that Meth started out as a, as a white gay man's drug and was intentionally inflicted on the black and brown communities to create addiction, to create control, domination, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? So this is, this is what I state, and I'm unapologetic in this movement because this has been a history that has happened in our country as far as black fetishization of black men sexually. That's number one, and we can't run away from that aspect, especially when we talk about BBC and things that deal with black men. Big, I mean, big these, black cock. Big black right. cock. Yeah. Yeah. Joanne yeah. Velasquez. Yeah. She's not. <laughs> okay. I was like the she's BBC. Not, yeah. is she's not familiar with the lingo. <laughs> but one one thing about me, you know, I grew up in a in a multi diverse and multiracial school and neighborhood, growing up from Kansas and Texas, now living in New York. I don't put any. I don't put an entire race into a monolith. I, don't, I do not believe that all heterosexual white men, bisexual white men, or gay white men are predators that are using meth and that are seeking intentionally to get black gay populations addicted. But I will tell you this. Historically, if we look at crystal methamphetamine, historically, created by Japanese scientists you know, during the World War II, used by kamikaze pilots, also German, German soldiers, and suicide right, they wanted missions. To create, they wanted to create sort of they su- wanted superhuman super, fighters. Superhuman fighters that wouldn't mind giving their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of time when they used that amphetamine and the crystal methamphetamine, which was turned after the amphetamine, it would give them enough energy, it would give them enough, um, um, enough energy to be able to do what they have to do and like kamikaze pilots kill themselves to get the job done. Uh, during that time, U.S. soldiers also were getting addicted to crystal methamphetamine. They, for somehow there was an exchange and they brought it back to the U.S. It became extremely prevalent within the West Coast in California. Then it really started to migrate, uh, especially during the AIDS epidemic into the white communities, especially L.A. and San Francisco. From that time, it started to really grow into the Midwest where we started seeing meth labs pop up all over from Kentucky 
to South Dakota and Tennessee. And then we started to see the big migration move over into the East Coast. We're talking about in the early 2000s, and then it died down for a little bit. When meth surge made its emergence again, it really started happening in the mid-2000s and in the black gay community around 2011 and 12. So I'm not going to say that these bisexual and gay white men were intentionally trying to put meth out there, but like what we all I got, say, got together and they have and held a meeting and said they we're going to yeah, do. They have the financial means in order to participate in meth. Now we look at the classism aspect. Black Americans, uh, black gay guys, were mainly doing alcohol and weed. There was a classism associated with that kind of drug. Where you had white guys who were doing these raves at this time, where they were doing they were doing uh, crystal meth, they were doing cocaine, they were doing these drugs were expensive, so they weren't necessarily popular in the black gay community. But what happened is we started to get a cross-cultural uh, connection between the two races, especially when it came to black folks partying in spaces where white folks partied, and we had that cross-cultural intersection. Then the introduction possibly began, especially when it came to black escorts. Now, black escorts have always been prevalent in the white uh, gay enclaves uh, for some sexual gratification, and it became a trend. Mm. Now, I'm not saying all white men were doing this. I'm saying it became a trend within a certain subgroup of white men that were using crystal meth. When a stigma became attached to it, they stopped doing it publicly and in these big raves and things of this nature. They started going underground and started having house party in small homes and also in the bathhouses. And then you started getting that subgroup meet with a black uh, subgroup of sex workers and they connected. And what happened was I felt that it was a segue that led Crystal Meth to come into the black gay community. Now, the 102 people that I've interviewed in the, um, in the research that I've done in the past three years, majority of the individuals who said they were uh, addicted to Crystal Meth were introduced to it by a significant other. 80% of those individuals that I interviewed said their significant other was a sex worker or an escort. Hmm who became addicted from, from going to Wall Street, the Upper right, East from Side, a white John. Chelsea, right. from a white John who had the money and said, I will pay you more money if you party with us. And it got to a point so bad to where they would care more about the drug than the money. And then so once, now I don't have to pay you. I just have to get to you high. You. So now you, that became yeah. a trend within that certain subgroup of white gay men that wants these black escorts. We can get anybody we want to. And because the, the drug is so strong, those individuals will go back and bring more people. Mm. I get it. You've drawn a very clear line, and yes. I see it. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Really one of the most important interviews we've ever done. And Michael Rice continues to do great work, so shout out to him. So uh, this is the person that I think was maybe our greatest guest ever, just mm. because she just did everything I wanted guests to do. This is Julie Halston, and she was on September 7th, September 7th, 2019. She was part of our Best of 2019 special that aired in January 4th of 2020. Most people out there know Julie Halston as Bitsy Von Muffling from Sex and the City, but she's a legend in New York theater, yeah. especially off-Broadway theater. She was part of Charles Bush's company in the 80s and has been in almost everything yeah. he's ever done. And at the time that she was on the ass, she was starring on Broadway in Tootsie. What I loved about Julie so much is I didn't know her before this interview. We have no connection. We don't, you know, other than Charles Bush, that was like our mutual friend, but... I felt from the get-go like I was talking to someone I'd known my whole life. She was warm. 
She was funny. She was real. She started crying at one point, talking about her late husband. She just, she, she just gave great radio, and I love her. So t- here's Julie Halston from 2019. Julie, I want to uh, go back to the 80s. Yes. When I first became aware of you. Yes. I, I told Charles Bush when he was on the show that when I was growing up in Summit, New Jersey, the only Jew in Summit, New Jersey, uh, we'd, we'd go to the local synagogue, and they had twofers um, on the, on the, in the lobby, on the table that, for different off-Broadway shows. And okay, one of them was Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. And I would go, what is this? <laughs> and why is this sitting out in the lobby of a synagogue? Uh, in Summit, New Jersey. How did you and Charles first meet? Well, it's a, it's a wacky kind of story. Uh, there's a guy that I went to college with. Uh, he, he was Bobby Cohen when I knew him. Then he got married and he changed his name to his husband's name, Bobby Ducharme. But he knew Charles Bush from childhood. He knew me from college. And he thought that we should meet. And I was like, well, I actually don't need another gay man in my life. Right. I need to get laid. Actually. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, good. ding, ding, ding. Um, but he was like, no, 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 I really think you guys would really get on. Anyway, cut to a number of years later particularly in, like, the early 80s when we first became aware of gay pneumonia. Remember, it was called gay pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And gay cancer. And gay cancer and grid. Mm -hmm. It wasn't wasn't called AIDS then. Uh, Bobby was living in San Francisco, and he was like, you should come to San Francisco and do a fundraiser because we know people who are dying in San Francisco Memorial Hospital, and we don't know why they're except that they're gay. We don't know what's going on. I didn't know, I was working on Wall Street, wanting to be an actress, kind of auditioning on the side, working on Wall Street because I needed money. Um, I happened to go out to see Bobby. I did do this weird little fundraiser where I did like a one woman show. I don't even remember what it was called. I think it was called like An Evening with Julie Halston. (laughs) Charles was in the audience because he happened to be doing his one-man show. It was at the Valencia Rose, which was a mortuary. Hmm. It used to be a mortuary. Um, well, believe me, my doing my show was a mortuary. Oh, no, it didn't go uh, well. No, it was, it was really bad. <laughs> um, but but I he looked, must have seen something in you. He did. I was quite stylish. I had a sort of Vidal Sassoon cut mm-hmm. with a white jumpsuit and Fabulous. a gash of red lips. But... I didn't really think much of Charles. He didn't really think of much of me. And by the way, at that time, who was also, I think, appearing at the Valencia Rose was Leah Delaria, like who would sort of say, I adore her, sort of sing, but then just say, are you a dyke? (laughs) Fuck you. You know, I mean, it was like, is that the act? Is that the act? Well, it was, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, we were all there. I didn't know that she had started that early. She oh, must have yeah. been a kid. We, I'm telling you, we, it, yes, I think she was. And she was sort of, even then, true to who she was. Yeah. Um, anyway, Charles and I didn't really, we didn't, we were very wary of each other. He got back to New York. He was doing his one-man show. He needed an audience. He literally invited you know, literally like pigeons on the street, anyone he knew. (laughs) And it just so happened that even though I had a terrible act, I knew a lot of people. So he invited me to his act, and I kept bringing people, and he was like, I'll comp you in, I'll comp you in. 
I kept bringing people to his act, and he was like, well, she is popular. You know, she might be untalented, but she's popular. <laughs> you were a draw. I was a draw on a certain level. Yeah. And I fell mad for his act. I loved it. It was called Alone with a Cast of Thousands. And he would just put a hat on and be a woman or put a scarf on. And was be... this at Duplex? No, it was at a place that doesn't even exist anymore. It was called the Shandal Theater. And you literally went there, like, imperiling your own life. Literally, rats would be, like, under your feet. Oh, it was wow. scary. It was somewhere in, in Chelsea. Oh. It was so, I think it was in Chelsea, actually. Mm -hmm. The Shandal. Um, it was scary. Oy, what a Shanda. But it was a Shanda, the Shandal. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is now, but it really needs to be destroyed. But anyway, he ended up writing this little skit. It was a skit called Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. Mm. No one would be his co-star. Even his own sister turned him down. <laughs> oh and, you know, he really couldn't get anyone to be his co-star. Alola Pashalinsky from the wonderful Charles Ludlam Company, the Ridiculous Theater, she did it one weekend and was like, I'm out, done. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. So we actually did Anything Goes together. You um, and Julie. Yeah, so that's how I know her. And I used to sit when Joel didn't want me in his room for whatever reason. I would Joel go, Gray. Joel Gray used to sit with Julie, and she would do this lovely shtick of... Um, reading the New York Times, reading the papers, as she called it. And she would find some ridiculous announcement, and she would just read it perf with perfect timing and make very subtle comments that were hysterical. Um, and to your point, like, she's, she's just so oddly normal and easy, and she'll tell you all about her plastic surgery and why she does it and why she thinks it's a great thing. Like, she's hysterical. I adore her. Yeah, there's nothing affected no. about her. She's just very fun and yeah. down-to-earth. <clears throat> So go back and listen. By the way, go back and listen to any of these episodes in full. I'm only giving you like five minutes from each of these. It's worth going back and listening to the complete episode. And I will get a few pennies from the uh, ads that we now have playing. Um, so before we go We're on so to rich. the next one, yes. can I play this bumper? Uh, yes, please. Okay, great. Yeah. Is she a sweet, young, lovable orphan? Or is she an evil dwarf in disguise? Time now for your Natalia update. Yes, we could not. We could. Thank you, Jamie. We could not do an ass send off without mentioning our most famous news topic, Natalia the Orphan Dwarf. Now, this clip was from our Best of Guest List special of March 2020. I have to say, I do have a favorite special, and it's this one. If you want to listen to one special, listen to Best of Guest List from March of 2020. This clip originally aired in October, uh, October 5th of 2018. And this was just this article that I found online that blew me away. So I talked about it on the air with JB and Ryan, and we all just were losing it. Um, now, you have to know that in the original story, which I think came from the Daily Mail, they kept referring to the girl as Natalie. Her name is actually Natalia, but we call her Natalie. And this is only four minutes long, this clip, but it now holds a legendary place in ass history. Here is the story of Natalia the Dwarf. A woman is accused of abandoning the girl that she adopted in 2010. But she and her husband claim that they did not, in fact, abandon a girl. They abandoned an adult dwarf posing as a girl who tried to kill the entire family. Christine Barnett and her ex-husband, Michael, 
are from Indiana. They're charged with neglect after neglect after leaving Ukrainian-born Natalie Grace in an apartment by herself shortly before they moved to Canada in 2013. They basically were like, you stay here, we're going to Canada. They paid rent for her after they left but broke off all contact. Natalie is three feet tall and has trouble walking. The Barnetts claim that she was hiding knives under the couches, talking about how she was going to kill family members, putting chemicals in their coffee, jumping out of moving cars, smearing blood on the mirrors. She would stand over people in their sleep. She'd be standing in the middle of the room and say, I'm waiting for the right time. She was in and out of mental health facilities, but was left in the apartment in Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, this is what's really crazy. The family was already known to the world through their son, Jacob, a child prodigy, who was the subject of a 2012 episode of CBS 60 Minutes. Jacob started taking university math classes and is currently pursuing a PhD in quantum gravity. But back to the perhaps evil adult dwarf posing as a child, it is almost the exact plot of the 2009 horror movie, The Orphan. Oh my God. So either you have to believe that the girl saw the movie, that the, the adult dwarf saw the movie and decided she too was going to impersonate a, a, a Ukrainian child. In the movie, it's a, like a Russian child. She pretended to be a Ukrainian child so she could like terrorize this family. Or she's a real child, albeit one who's fucked up, and the parents saw the movie and decided we're going to pretend <laughs> that this is what happened to us. There's no way that any real-life situation could so closely parallel this movie. Because it's I, a crazy I premise. Baby. I need to see this baby. Um, uh, I, there is a picture of her, but I don't have it printed I out. I am deeply disturbed, <laughs> and I have no more. I have no more comments <laughs> at this time. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, the headline alone, just completely. Woman claims adopted girl she abandoned was really an adult dwarf no, who I, wanted to kill her my, family. On my breakdown, it's parents charged with abandoning adopted child they claim is really evil dwarf. <laughs> Well, that was my headline. Oh, you that was that. my synopsis. It's, uh, it's, it's now, what's really fucked up? You, I mean, this is really fucked up. Everything I mean, about it's fucked really up. Fucked but up. here's what's crazy. No one knows where Natalie is right now. No what? one can find her. What's oh, the, yeah, what's the brother's dwarf. name? The brother's name is Jacob. In every family, you have a Jacob. <laughs> and you have a Natalie. <laughs> one is a prodigy. One is an evil dwarf. <laughs> well... <laughs> this story is really upsetting to pe to adopted kids as well totally. as to dwarves. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> 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 Neither of whom this are known to be evil. <laughs> so we just need to wrap this up. So yes. yeah. So so anyway, they've been charged. I think until they can locate Natalie, it's hard to know who's telling the truth. But um, the defense claims that. Natalie was actually a 22-year-old 22 22 year woman when they left her behind, um, and that, uh, according to the family doctor, Natalie's date of birth at the time of adoption was clearly inaccurate. She had adult teeth and had already begun menstruating. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> are you sure this is what the family doctor said? Because in that case, I, I take the doctor's word for it. Oh, God, I don't know. But anyway, this led me to watch some of the clips from Orphan, and what a terrifying fucking movie that is. Anyhow, anyway. we'll have to see how this plays out, but of course we had to talk about it. Best of guest list. Still hilarious, even though ultimately it turned out that Natalia really was just like a sweet, abandoned 
dwarf orphans. And then it got sad. It got sad. But but the good news is she's living with a family now and she's well and she's cared for and she is not an evil adult no, posing a as a child. Just wanted love. So now she's a teenager, but she's doing very well. And I actually have an update, a news update on Natalia. This actually happened in October and somehow it missed my attention. Um, but Natalia's father, Michael Barnett, was found not guilty of neglecting Natalia, not guilty of neglect causing bodily injury, and not guilty of neglect causing serious bodily injury. Those are three different charges. And finally, not guilty of conspiring with his ex-wife, Christine, to neglect Natalia. You'll remember that Michael Bennett and his wife, um, uh, 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 hold on, adopted Natalia in 2010, when she was not quite seven, according to her Ukrainian birth r records, but they never, uh, they never believed that she was a little girl once they brought her home. They thought that she was an adult and the adoption was a fraud. Jurors never heard that Michael and Christine Bennett adopted Natalia in 2010 when she was not quite seven. They never heard that the Barnetts believed that Natalia was an adult and that the adoption was a fraud. They never knew that the Barnetts legally changed Natalia's birth year through a court order, making her an adult in her 20s. Now, I don't know why the jurors didn't hear that. There must have been some pretrial motions that the Barnetts won. But I feel like that's very important information for the jury to have had. Um, uh, the defense attorneys told the jurors, what do you do when your daughter wants nothing to do with you, when your daughter wants an independent life? It's true that she's a little person, but don't allow your empathy or sympathy for her to sway your judgment. Um, he claimed that Natalia was a 23-year-old girl making her own choices to distance herself from the Barnett family and that she was old enough to make those decisions. Steve, are you leaving us? I am like one minute away from leaving. Steve has to uh, make a Broadway show, so say, good, say your goodbye to the listener, Steve. What are your last words? My last words are, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll miss you all. Thanks for having me on. Adam, this has been such Steve, a ride. I love you. Thanks for being here. I love you guys too. I love everybody. And, um, Stay if safe. I ever decide to do the podcast again, I will bring you out of retirement. I told Adam that this is going to be like comedy, where he says he's not doing it, then all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm going here to do comedy. I'm going here. To, so we're going to go there to do the podcast. We're going to go here. To, we'll be back. Listen, I know we'll be back. It's a lie. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Bye, honey. Bye, everybody. Meanwhile, Natalia testified that she, when she, at the time the Barnetts left her, she didn't know how to cook, didn't know how to count money, or do any of the things that a 23-year-old person would know. Um... Testing at the time estimated her reading and math skills in 2014 were that of a first grader, according to evidence admitted during the trial. But as I said, Michael Barnett was found not guilty of all those charges. However, his ex-wife, Christine, goes on trial February 13th. Apparently, they were tried separately, and maybe she'll be found guilty. I, you know, like everything about this case, there's so much confusion yeah, and so many things that fishy. don't make sense to me. Honestly... I, I think the reason why they separate court is because one of them is guilty, and but they're married. The Not anymore. Are, oh God, Lord. We will have to wait and see. I promise I will continue to post Natalia updates on the Adam Sank Show Facebook page as they happen. What were you going to say, Patrick? No, we'll have to wait and see. This is ongoing. This should be a show. Totally. Oh, there has to be a documentary about Natalia, documentary the orphan dwarf. This. Well, moving on to our next clip. Um, I did a special Thanksgiving weekend of 2020 called The Best of Ask Me No Questions. And the clip itself originally aired November 5th, 2017, 
when Scott Hernandez was co-hosting. This was his only, he was on two episodes as a guest co-host. And mostly he just laughs through this entire segment because the guest is the incredibly talented actress and comedian Michelle Buteau. Michelle Buteau has blown the fuck up. She was already very successful when she did the show in 2017. She has since become a superstar. So please enjoy Michelle Buteau playing Ask Me No Questions with Scott and me from November 5th, 2017. Butt sex, pro or anti? Pro. You are. I am. You go, Miss Buteau. I'm going, honey. By the way, do I say your name right? Is it Buteau or Buteau? Either way is fine. Because Buteau sounds real African to me. Ooh. And I always thought it was a French word, like buteau. Yeah, buteau derives from bateau, which is French for boat, because my people came over on a boat, not by choice. Okay. So there's that. I like so that. So the, the security guard downstairs is Haitian, and he recognized my name right away, and he's like, oh, I know your family. I was like, I don't have any money. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know where this goes right away. <laughs> but back to the butt sex. Yes. Is this a regular part of your, uh, your love life? No, not regular. Special occasions. Special occasions. I don't understand. It is a lot of prep work. Yeah, right? It's, uh, it's more work for the bottom. Uh, and I got—I have so many holes to take care of. A lot of holes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. It's a lot. I can barely fold my laundry and do my taxes on time. <laughs> <laughs> I got a list. I got a to-do list. Should white people rap? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I mean, if they have a gift, great. Like, if you're Eminem and you really want to fucking share your voice with people, fine. But if you're going to do it just to be cool, like um, Iggy Azalea or whatever the fuck. <laughs> is that her name? Exactly. I don't even know if she's white. Is Iggy, I don't know what Iggy Azalea looks is she like. White? She's white. She's, she's Australian. Australian. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they got blind people, too. Yeah. No, if black people can sing crunchy music, then white people can rap. There you go. Have you ever had a lesbian experience? Um, no. I've kissed. Like made out? I've made out. But I've never sucked a titty. I would love to. A titty even? I no. feel like a, a woman would just suck another woman's titty just as a joke, even, you know? <laughs> just like, I don't know what kind of shows you doing. <laughs> I mean, I, I've sucked a lot of titties. Good but I was you. also like straight identified for a few years there. Okay. When I was much younger. Get it. Nobody was believing it, but I was trying. <laughs> I, I, I licked the puss. You I did live everything. your own will and grace, honey. That's yes. exactly right. <laughs> but never, not no like drunken night in college going down no. on someone. Or no, I've done gross stuff like. Never mind. Now tell me. Come on, we have to know. No, like a triple kiss or whatever the fuck that is. With two other people. Yeah. Have has a lesbian ever hit on you like after all a show? the time? Really? Oh my god. Because of the titties. Yeah, I, I want to say like more of my essence, but sure. So you have a big <laughs> lesbian fan base, you think? Um, a decent amount. It could always be better. As, as well, you should. What's <laughs> the one food you will never put in your mouth? Pork. I can't do it. It makes my pussy itch. Literally makes your pussy itch. Yeah. That's a weird reaction. It's a very weird reaction. I used to eat pork all the time, and I was like, what's happening? And then you just have to scratch down there in public. Yeah, yeah. And you can't do that when you're a woman, so I just have to like... Right, people think you have vaginitis. Yeah, yeah. Vaginitis with a dollop of HPV. <laughs> I don't eat any meat anymore, Miss Buteau. I'm vegan. Oh, my God. I could tell. You guys look like you don't eat meat. Yeah, Scott. Or dairy stopped. or sugar yeah. or we're, fun. We're yeah, both dairy. On I, stopped, uh, <laughs> I stopped dairy before I stopped eat, uh, meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my look definitely is like she eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this rosé chin? Yeah, with cheese. Can I tell you something? <laughs> Veganism, and especially vegetarianism, is much easier than you think it is. There's yeah. all these good substitutes I nowadays. I don't think it's hard. You just don't want to do it. No. Don't give a shit. Yeah. My blood type, I should be a vegetarian, but I love to cook. I, I cook a lot of vegetarian stuff. What's your favorite dish to cook? Anything. 
I can cook it all. Mm. Yeah. Your dream gig. Dream gig? Yeah. It has many parts. Tell us. Dream gig. Um, on Syncom, um, that is um, a, a late night talk show. Um, and um, dream gig and, and movies. Lots of movies. Like, like that Melissa McCarthy shit. Oh, I could totally see you in those kind of roles. Yeah, like a five-picture deal. You're, yes. you're going to get it, honey. I know you will. Thank you. You deserve it. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. And she got it. She's now the host of The Circle on Netflix. She was in the Tales of the City series. She co-starred in that J-Lo movie, Marry Me. Uh, I mean, she's really, she's on fire and she deserves it. And I love her. So you can catch our Netflix special on Netflix. Uh, this is Butopia. It's a good watch. You guys, watch it. Thank you, Jamie. So this next clip comes from our best of the worst year ever when we recapped 2020, uh, the year of the shutdown. <clears throat> the clip originally aired April 4th of 2020. This is when I was doing the show from home every week with my mm -hmm. own little microphone and all the guests were on the phone. And this stands out because it was the only time I had to redo an entire interview. We did like a 25-minute interview, and then I realized I had not been recording. So I had to call the person back the next day and redo it. But this is one of our favorite guests, somebody who was on the ass as much as anyone was on the ass, and it is comedian Drew Lausch. So enjoy this hilarious interview with Drew from April 4th, 2020. But, um, but I, understand, I, <laughs> I understand from our conversation yesterday that you really got your fill figuratively and literally during your sojourn to Los Angeles. Can you please uh, fill in the listeners on the sordid details? Yes, no, I totally can. So um, when I was in, well, and so I was, and I was also doing shows in New Orleans like the weekend before I went to Los Angeles, and I had, um, I had plans with two guys, which was actually really fun. There was like a New Orleans like local who like really <laughs> showed me around. Um, but when I was in Los Angeles, I went and there was a night where I went to this like really fun, um, I was at this like really fun dance party, but like we were staying super like south, I guess. And so there was this like guy and he was like this like short ginger guy. And he was my, uh, he was one of my friend's friends. And I originally was like, oh, can I just like crash on your couch? Um, but then I got there and um, obviously I was like drunk. So I was like, okay, well we should just probably have sex, I guess. So I like knocked on his door and then we started hooking up. But then he like took his pants off and like literally had the largest dick I've ever seen. And not that I don't think shorter guys can't have large dicks, but I was truly like, I, I mean, it like literally unfolded. I was like, I can't believe this. But I took it without poppers because I'm really America's sweetheart. Yes, um, what a champ. Yeah. Now I know. I mean, how like when you say short, like sh how tall are you, Drew? So I'm five ten and a half. So what did he come up to you and when you were facing him? Like where was his? Where was the top of his head? Like at your chin? Yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah probably. So I'm gonna guess he's like five so four, like, five five. Yeah, I was gonna say yesterday. I was like, I don't know, like five seven. I just like have no. I mean, I really, I don't know what I'm talking about. Pretty much one hundred percent of the time. But yes, he was probably like five five. And then, how big do you think the dick was in inches? Like, like at least eight inches, maybe nine. I mean, it was like really, it was, and like 
sick too. Like it literally, I was like, you have a third arm, sir. Now, what position did you take it in? Um, well, I mean, I was, well, that, I'm like flashback. Well, I started, I started riding it because that has always been, I feel like the easiest in terms of getting used to it. And yeah. then after I was, after I was like, after I was like, like able to really ride it, then I feel like I, I mean, you know this, I'm like kind of a lazy lover. Like I was on my back and then like on all fours. <laughs> like I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not trying to like work too hard. You know what I mean? I mean, did he, did he know how to use the dick or was it just that it was so big? <laughs> no, he definitely did. No, he was, it was like a good way. Like, I don't, I don't think I would do it again. I mean, maybe I would, I, you know, but it was, I would say like, uh, and I've had some wild, I mean, I've had some wild sexual experiences, but like that was like very, I don't know, it was lovely. <laughs> and you're going to send yeah. me, you're going to send me his name and contact information when we're done today, correct? Yeah, duh. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Please. Can I say Drew has been uh, has a very special place in our hearts and him on Saint Show. I have done a special with him on it and he's just great, great filling co-host, great filling guest, super amazing. Drew, you will be missed. I agree. He's hilarious and his comedy career it continues to take off as well. Oh, he yeah, and his... I just saw him at Joe's pub. Yeah, tell us about that. Oh, that was oh hilarious. I, I had never seen anything like that before. The two of them. Who's his partner in crime? Zach. Zach. Oh, right. Zach. Beautiful man. So gorgeous. Tall. Uh, they're just hilarious. Yeah. It's like punk comedy, <laughs> queer, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I they're sort of defining it. a new genre yeah, all to their own. I love Drew. And also kind and sweet and smart and bright and hilarious. And Drew, you know, he not only was he a guest and a guest host, but sometimes he would fill in at the last second if a guest didn't couldn't make it. So he was like right. our our permanent. One fill-in. of my favorite moments was a fill-in where he's walking down the street <laughs> on the way to the subway, flawlessly coming up with one-liners in the moment. He's amazing. Yeah, very very witty. Hold on, I'm going to take a sip of this generic Bailey's because <laughs> my throat is very dry. Okay. I wish Steve were still here because this is my list of the top five worst guests ever. Shade. And I thought very carefully about whether or not I should do this because it's never good to burn bridges, but you know what? I'm going to do it for the sake of entertainment. And also, some of these people I really love. It's not their fault that it was a bad segment. And the first person falls into that category. This is number five with comic actress Mo Gaffney. From December 17th, 2017. I am a massive Mo Gaffney fan. I loved her on Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, right, yes. Uh, she's been a guest star in many shows, including Friends. I don't know. I think maybe she was driving while she was talking to me. And by the way, I don't know her. We have no relationship. She was doing us a huge favor by doing the show. But she sounds like she's been shot with a tranquilizer dart. It is the most lifeless interview, and I'm working hard. If you go back and listen to it, I am really working hard. I did all the research. I know about her career, and I'm like, tell me about this. And she's like, well, yeah, that was really fun. And whenever I'm doing an interview on this podcast, I'm always thinking about the listener. I'm like, what is the listener experiencing right now? Are they bored? Are they, do they want this to go faster? And I remember just panicking because I could not get anything out of this woman. So, Mo, I love you, but you are not a good guest. 
Uh, number four was when I had on Ms. Gay United States and Mr. Gay United States, Aaliyah Martinez and Race Guy Sinister. This was on June 17th, 2018. Now look, I am not a big fan of pageant drag. I feel about drag pageants the way I feel about straight pageants, which is that they're sort of pointless, especially until you get to like the Miss America level, right? Mm -hmm. It's it, The pageant circuit is kind of a, a big pyramid scheme because all of the contestants have to pay enormous amounts of money to enter the contest. They have to pay coaches, wardrobe people, musicians. It's a whole scam, and all of this is so that they can maybe win some kind of meaningless title. Mm -hmm. The reason I had these two on is because I knew Michael... Aaliyah Martinez from the Gay Men's Course, and he asked me as a favor if I could have them on. So I said yes, and they were both dead. They were, they were dead on arrival. Neither of them gives me anything. It is the mo it, it's, it's terrible. And the fact that I no longer speak to Michael because we had a following out that had nothing to do with that uh, just makes it worse. So, and, and I have to say, Race Guy Sinister, very sweet man, but he had nothing to say. He had nothing mm -hmm. to offer. And here's the thing. If you ask to go on someone's podcast, you need to have something have to something. talk about. Yes, yes. Be willing to t give us some stories. Have some funny moments. To nothing. Uh, number three on my list of worst guests was Jordan Power from June 5th, 2021. This is the only time we ever ended up bleeping parts of an episode. because So Jordan is a Canadian podcaster and author. And I was actually a huge fan of his podcast, his original podcast, uh, and his book that he was on to promote. But his new podcast, which is not new anymore, his current podcast, he became sort of this right-wing mm. uh, attacker of Fauci, COVID denialist, mask denialist. And so at the end of the episode, after praising him and his book, I was like, I don't really understand where you're coming from with this new podcast. And I challenged him on a few things, and then we ran out of time. And I, was, I still thought it was a great episode. It's a lively episode. He's a good guest. Then I listened to his next podcast episode in which he completely trashed me without ever mentioning the name of our show or my name. So rude. So his listeners couldn't even like hear for themselves, and he completely misrepresented what I had said to him in the way I said it. So I asked JB, because it wasn't a live episode we had done, I asked JB to bleep out Jordan's book, the name of his book. Oh, nice. Which I will not say now, because I don't want to promote him. So every single time the book <laughs> is mentioned, you just hear beep. Uh, so yeah, he gets spot number three. Can you believe we have two more? Wow, that's a lot <laughs> of bad ones. <laughs> uh, the next one was, oh, oh God. The next one was Eddie Danger. Bisexual, porn star, uh, acrobat, dancer, right. reality TV star. Great name. No, we had Eddie on twice. The first time, uh, everything was fine. He's a difficult person to interview because you ask him a question and he doesn't really answer that question. Instead, he gives you a very long answer and goes off on a tangent and you have to sort of steer him back. And I experienced that the first time, but I also thought he was very sweet uh, he has a huge following. I was happy that he did the show. I had no complaints. He just was, you know, he wasn't the easiest person to interview, and that's fine. It, not everyone gets how to do that, right? The second time he was on, which was within the past year, uh, he was even more difficult, but I still felt like it was fine. There was no animosity. 
The next day after we had recorded the episode, it was, it was not a live episode, he starts texting me, I did not like that interview and, I, and um, I'm going to cancel the release of the episode. And I was like, yeah, that's not a thing. How, how would he do that? You can't cancel something you've already done, right. you already consented to. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not like you didn't know you were being recorded. And I was like, I kept saying like, why? Like, what did I do? What did he? He's like, I just didn't think any of your questions were very good. And I don't, I, I don't, I think it's embarrassing for you. And I was like, well, I'll let my listeners decide whether or not. I said, I, I always tried very hard to make the guest comfortable. And mind you, he had no problems with the first interview I did with him. He was happy to come on the show again. And I don't see what I did differently the second time. You don't know what that was all about. No, she had an attitude too on the day of the show. And she was running late. Like, yeah, that, that whole, uh, that whole interview put a bad taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. And it was like. You know, you're totally, this is a complete 180 from how you were last time. I don't know what, and again, this doesn't reflect Adam's thoughts or views. This is my own thoughts and views, so do not add Adam at me if you have a problem. I think she was on something, because there was, again, total 180 talking to her and everything. It was just, this is not the same person we had a conversation with. I don't want, okay. I don't want to, um, I have no idea if he was on something, and I don't want to, um, you know, imply that, yeah, that we have. This is my thoughts and my ideas. Leave out about this. Who knows what anyone's going through? But I was very shocked, and I basically said to him via text, like, I, first I said, "Can we talk about this? Like, let's have a right. conversation." Right. And he was like, "Nope, nope." And I finally just said, "I'm very sorry that you feel this way. I'm not going to not release an entire hour-long episode that I worked on and recorded, mm -hmm. and not have an episode this week just because you're not happy. That's not how this works." And he was like, "I will remember this." So that was number two. And number one of the worst guest I ever oh, had is every guest who didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> now, unless I'm missing something, we were only ghosted. And when I say ghosted, I mean they literally didn't show up. There were people who canceled the day before. I'm not counting those people because at least they gave some notice. I'm talking about people who up until the minute we went to the guest, we thought we were going to have them on the air and then we didn't. It only happened to us five times, which is pretty amazing wow. considering Once we were on year, for five years. Yeah. Right. But those five times were done to us by four people mm. because one person ghosted us twice. So the people, I'm now going to name them all. These are the people who ghosted <laughs> us. The first two are both lesbian comedians. Not, they weren't on together. We had them separately, but they both ghosted us. One is Jess Salomon, who I still have never met. The second is Ashley Gavin, who was supposed to show up with Drew Lausch on Drew's very first appearance. Mm -hmm. I, was, I decided I wanted one gay comedian and one lesbian comedian, and they were friends, and they were performing at a show together that was coming up. And Drew showed up, and Ashley never did. And I still don't know why. <laughs> one who ghosted us is bisexual model and reality TV star Marvin Cortez from America's Next Top Model. Mm -hmm. Still don't know why he didn't show up. He never reached out. He never apologized. He simply vanished. And the number one worst guest we ever had, the person who ghosted us twice, is singer-songwriter Justin Utley. Hey, guys. It's me, Justin Utley. And uh, in all my years in the entertainment business, I never thought I'd win this award. It's, a, it's quite a dubious honor, in fact. Adam, I can't even count on two hands the number of times I've been on your show. In all honesty, though, let me just say I am sorry for ghosting you. 
twice, and I'm sorry your show is ending before I got to come on and do an interview. But, you know, you've made waves, and you're going out with a bang, and I'm very proud of you, and I'm very, very proud of your work. Oh, and uh, one more thing, Adam. Hold on. I'll be right back. All right, let's move on to uh, more clips. And this next one is from our Best of Guest List Strikes Back special from April 2021. The clip itself is from 2018. And since Ryan's uh, RuPaul's Drag Race updates were a huge part of this show for years, I felt like we needed to include at least one Drag Race segment. So this is Ryan and I talking about an article from some magazine that was the top five iconic Snatch Game moments. Um, This was from June 10th, 2018, the same episode as Stone and Stone. Take a listen. Uh, Vulture.com came out with something amazing. They ranked every single Snatch Game impersonation throughout the history of RuPaul's Drag Race um, from the very, very best to the very, very worst. And uh, so I just want to go through, the, the first of all, the five best and just get a quick take on this from Ryan Frostig. Yes. At number five is Bob the Drag Queen as Uzo Aduba and Carol Channing from oh season eight. This was brilliant and also groundbreaking because uh, Bob was the first queen to deliver two separate performances on Snatch Game. It was very brave. So smart, so funny. She slayed. Number two, Bendela Krem as Paul Lind on All Stars 3. Well, you had some feelings about this. I didn't think this was good. No. She didn't sound anything like Paul Lind, and she was dressed like Charles Nelson Riley. However, true. However... If you can make RuPaul laugh, that is the only thing that matters. Absolutely. Chad Michaels as Cher from season four. This one is like, I mean, it, it was, that's what Chad, that's Chad's gig. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, so I would hope so. I would hope that he could deliver that. Um, it didn't necessarily make me laugh, but it was pretty great. You think he had an unfair advantage? Yeah. It was pretty fucking good. It was amazing. It's, it's the. Oh, oh. Although he says that Cher does not do that. Um, Let's see what Vulture has to say. Mm, this is someone who has made her life's work being the best goddamn share impersonator there, there is. Um, the reinventions via wig reveals the casual profanity, and yes, the voice were all there, cultivated to goddess of pop perfection. Uh, this, this snatch game might not have been worth putting on La Mer. What does that mean? But Chad very easily walked away with the challenge win. Uh, number two, Jinx Monsoon as little Edie Bouvier Beale. I might have put this first. This was this was iconic. This was amazing, and this was probably one of the first um, snatch game because for a while, especially in the beginning, everyone was doing like artists. You know, everyone was doing Britney or Pink or Lady Gaga. Or, right. You know, this was one of the first uh, characters that was something like a little bit more highbrow. You know, so it was very. Um, Specific. Well, most none of the other queens knew who she was doing, exactly. and I'm sure there were a lot of people in the audience who didn't know. The fact that she still was brilliant and hilarious, even if you didn't know who Little Edie was. Right. That's the whole point. She was great because she was very specific. Exactly. She was that character. And number one, according to Vulture.com, is Alaska Thunderfuck as Mae West from All Stars 2. Ryan Frostig, your thoughts? I mean, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty... Um, it was again. It was. It, it was sort of like similar to uh, Jinx, where it's like there was a certain percentage of people that would know who she was, but because she sold it so well and with such poise and with such like commitment, it was hilarious. Well, Vulture Shantae, said, "Shantae, you stay." 
Thank you. Vulture says the tiny moans, the snatched vintage look, the drooping tongue, it was all perfect. Comedically, it was old Hollywood meets raw Alaska humor, and so it bears repeating, it was perfect. This was, plain and simple, The Alaska Show, and it gave us the single best snatch game showing yet. And the, and the, the most famous line from it was, why don't you come and fuck me in the ass sometime? <laughs> that was very funny. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. We love you, Ryan. We love you and miss you. Piglet. Um, This next clip is from a show called Best of Ass Fan Favorites. And for this special, which happened in May of 2019, we we basically looked at our 10 most downloaded episodes of that at that time and uh, played clips from each of them. And this was an interview that I did along with co-host Sean Peter Drowen. We interviewed Frank DeCaro. The great Frank DeCaro, former, formerly of Sirius XM, OutQ, uh, and he had just come out with his book, Drag, which was a huge hit. Um, so take a listen to Frank DeCaro. How many, how many queens are in this book? Oh, God, I don't even know. I mean, there's so many. I have to say, though, you, it does make... The only time I get mad if, is somebody posted, where is so-and-so? And, like, what do you write back? Page 242 I wrote back. You know, it's like, don't... It's like, get it right. If you're going to complain right. that someone's not in it, make sure they're really not in it. It is so comprehensive. So. And it's also a beautiful book because you have these great uh, giant color photos of each of the queens yeah. that you're writing about. Rizzoli did a great job. And, and, the, and the photographers, many of them donated their work because they have, because there's no money for that. You know, you put these things together on a shoestring. And then when they look this beautiful, you sit there and go, well, that works. And it's you not know. just like a magazine with lots of drag queens in it. It's really about the history of drag. And you trace it from its origins to the present day. And um, I have to first ask you, because I know how you love your puns. Yes. So what were the alternate titles if you hadn't used Combing Through the Big Wigs of show business? It was always that, except it was going to be called Big Wigs Combing Through the History of Drag in Show Business. But Big Wigs was always going to be the, in there somewhere. Why would you but change it? They did. They said, it, they said because of search engines, everything's ba- I hate to say it, every book on drag, you know what every book on drag is called? Drag. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you look it up, but drag, every book is called drag. But no, I think they, they really are like, well, search engines will find it better if it's called drag, colon, coming through the big wigs of show business, rather than big wigs, and then drag is in the subtitle. I was sure so, you had yeah. like 50 different puns that you had No, you would out. think I would, te- just teasing. No, I don't know what it would be, but, uh, but yeah, there are, uh, uh, there are, I do love a good pun, I can't help it, but it's, it's, it's a serious book, even though it's life. It is serious. I, but you know, I did a radio show a couple of years ago. And someone, not my own, and someone, someone said to me, they were doing the lightning round at the end of the interview, and the, this or this, you know, and they said, funny or smart? And I said, smart, and it brought it to the end of the discussion. It, they just looked at me like, really? And I was like, yeah, it's like smart. That's my favorite thing. Funny is good, but it, it comes, but it's like. Well, you have to be smart to be funny. No, you don't. There are a lot of stupid people who are funny. And, but I like book smart, too, I have to tell you. You like nerds. I like a good, if, when my husband. My husband's best chances for getting late are when he proofreads something and he goes, oh, wait, they just said it's off the coast of Spain. It's off the coast of Portugal. And then I just get a bonus. You drop to your knees. Oh, my God. I want to service him right. That's my kind of I'm kind of the same. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, but I think this book, like for someone like Ryan Frostig, who's really a, a drag um, obsessionado, 
I think he he will love this book because oh, I hope so. it's just um, it's like as I said, it's so comprehensive. I want to ask you about some of the people you included, and my favorite section um, because one of them has been on our show so many times and is a friend of mine was your section on the three Charleses of, yes. of drag. Who were the three Charleses? Charles Ludlam, Charles Pierce, and Charles Bush. And I just always thought it was funny. It's like, why do you have to... If you're named Charles, you should be a drag queen. This is basically what we're learning. Prince yeah. Charles, kind of a drag queen. But uh, no, I, the three of them are really... I mean, they weren't just like drag performers. They were landmark drag performers. I actually I mean, wrote my, my thesis on Charles Ludlum um, in college. And it, it was, I was kind of... I, as soon as I opened the, the galleys for the book, the first thing I did was like control F and wanted to read the section on Ludlum. Did I do all right? Yeah. No, oh, good. Was, Thank you. fantastic. Thank yeah. you. I, well, I read I was, a lot of... See, I'd never seen him perform i'd seen tr everything charles bush has done and i'd seen charles pierce perform live and watched him uh, on lots of video yeah, i read about the plays in the context of yeah. drag discourse and drag theory now oh when i was God. a young gay when i was sean's age i knew who pierce and bush were i didn't know ludlum i, until I didn't much know much later in later, life yeah and part of it is he had a, a short career because he died way too young oh yeah the other two i mean charles bush thank god is still with us uh, in his 60s, and, and Charles Pierce lived to be, what, 70-something? He was something? pretty good. Yeah, he, he got, had a good long life. And I have to say, the one, one of the things that I learned in putting this book together, it's a hard life, and a lot of people die young. And not just, oh, they got AIDS and died. It's like, it could be murder, it could be suicide, it could, you know, I mean, Marsha P. ended up in the, in the river, it could be AIDS got them. It could be a mysterious death like Dean and, Johnson. And that, unfortunately, you know. it's still the case. It's a tough if road to, if, if you're, you're on the fringe... As a performer, or as a, as a human being, or as a human being, you might not have health insurance. You might be with sketchy people. You homeless. might not have enough money. You might right. be homeless, and it breaks my heart because these people are so freaking talented. So and but that was one of the things that I noticed because you'd be doing things and you'd be like, wait a minute, this one's thirty-eight, this one's forty-two, this one's right. you know twenty-nine, whatever. And it was, and I thought a lot of it would be AIDS-related, but it was, you know, there was that period, yes. But it wasn't certainly wasn't everybody. So well, let's first talk about Charles Pierce and oh, I loved him. what his act was and what his legacy is. He, Charles Pierce uh, was my favorite. He was a female impersonator, and they the, the best line about him was that basically he was like the performance equivalent of a Hirschfeld cartoon. Like he was a caricature, <laughs> but he would do these things. But he would do his he would his his absolute brilliant most brilliant thing was he would do. Betty Davis talking to Tallulah Bankhead, and he would just shift his wig and turn and do both sides of the conversation. And, and so he was genius. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. I always love Frank, and I want to thank Frank because just like Derek and Romaine did, he had me on his show a lot on SiriusXM. Most fans, quote-unquote, that I have in the world only know me because of those two outcue shows. So I'm, I'm really grateful to, to Frank as well as to DNR. Um, and I love Frank, and he's always hilarious. So this next clip comes from our Chicks We Love special of December 2021. The clip that we're going to play originally aired November 3rd of 2018. Tarek Daniels was guest co-host. He's always a blast on the show. And this was the third appearance of two women that we had on the show a lot, Joanne Filan and Irene Bremis. You know, when I first booked them to be on together, there was no reason really for them being on together. They're not a duo. They don't perform together. They know each other. They're friendly. But I don't know. I just thought it would be fun because they're such different kinds of women and different kinds of comedians. Joanne is a lesbian. 
Irene is straight. They have very different um, speaking styles, different senses of humor. But every time they were on together, it was like magic. There was just, they're so funny and so great together. And frankly, they should be a comedy team. So take a listen to this clip from 2018 of Joanne Filan and Irene Bremis. Is it clitoris or clitoris? I've never really known. I say clitoris. I just say clit. When I say clit mouth, if you're being a real cunt. Clit mouth. You're being like clit mouth. That's an insult? I feel like that's offensive to me. Well, it depends. Clitty, clitty, bang, bang. Clitty, clitty, bang, bang. We like it. We always, we take the show to a whole other level. Is that, have you seen a lesbian porn with that title, Joel? No, I am now going to go out and make one. Clitty, clitty, bang, bang. Why has no one ever thought of that? I call it a lady button. Just oh nice. my God, that is That's so pretty. sweet. Yeah, I'm like, of course, you guys know Ding the, dong. the of scat. Of course, you haven't seen mine. Mine is no ladies. Sweetie, <laughs> you guys know the scat mm-hmm. version of that is called Shitty Shitty Gangbang. Oh, <laughs> wow. I like it. It's not it's pretty. It's a double feature. Yeah. Uh-huh. You both uh, have something unusual about you Uh-oh. to be on this show. First of all, as I said, three-time champions, but also you're both married. Oh, but not, not many to of each my other. Get, not to each other yet. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about her all the time. Me I too. download the image of her. I think her about her lady button. it's painful. <laughs> right? It's no lady, sweetie. Trust me. Like I said. <laughs> that ain't no lady. That's Irene's bush. Yeah. Nice. So, oh, yeah, but honestly, girl. most of the guests, because it's most of yeah. the guests are gay men, mm-hmm. which is my mistake. We don't have enough uh, estrogen on this mm-hmm. show. But but most of my guests are unmarried. How long have has each of you been married? How long have you been married, Joanne? Um, we actually uh, just celebrated our, our four-year wedding anniversary the last month. Congratulations. So, thank you. And how long have you been together or total? 47 years. No. Um, <laughs> a, a very long time. Very long time. Mm-hmm. We, we wanted to go with the whole let's make it legal when it's actually legal. So what's a long time? Ten years? Ten, yeah, I think about ten wow. years, yeah. Wow. Irene, how long have you and your husband been there? Oh, God. We've been married um, for about, uh, let me see, uh, it's been eight years, but it's in dog years. So Because <laughs> you like, like to do like it doggy style. Like, oh, we nice. love doggy style. There's nothing, I love it. It's a small, he's Irish, so it's great. It feels like a butt plug. It's fantastic. <laughs> Your husband has a small it's penis? sort of like a pacifier when I have insomnia. It's so great. But right? is it uncut? Is it small? Un- uh, no, it's uh, it's not small. I'm just kidding. It's Good. pretty. Uh, yeah, he's six foot see. six. He's, he's pretty, I feel like he's, I he's got a, s- a substantial amount of, you know, meat. Of tree. Legs, sweetie. of tree, sweetie. Of tree, of tree, sweetie. Yeah, we'll, we'll big the callback with tree. Yeah. Irish tree. Yeah. He's Wait, Irish so he's tree. got a big Irish dick, and it's it is circumcised. It's circumcised. Yeah. I mean, I like circumcised. Although me too. I, I really do. Well, but you're I'm Jewish. Circumcised yeah. is kind of. You know, it, it, it feels like a hug. Though. Are you cut, like, Turk? Yeah. I am, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I wish Thank I wasn't. God. I love uncut, though. We'll mm-hmm. discuss this another time. Yeah, I, 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 I know it's controversial. so out of the loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to include Joanne in this. I'm sorry. Um. Joanne, are you uncut? <laughs> uncut, uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> so my question for you both, because you both, I mean, that's an accomplishment to me. As someone whose longest relationship uh, is with his dog. Mm-hmm. Lady. Lady. Amazing. Um, I don't know how one stays in a relationship, let alone married, for a decade. What, what's your secret? How, what would you tell people who are trying to find the one or, or keep the one? Mm. Okay. Stop trying. Yeah. I don't know. I don't... Just, you, you've seen The Handmaid's Tale? Well, I'm the handy maid's tale. A lot of hand jobs, <laughs> a lot of lube. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a very arduous road. Um, Oh, I wish the sound effects worked. <laughs> I keep trying to hit like jerking off sound effects, yeah. ejaculation There's sound effects. Yeah. None of Just going to have to do it manually. I think your expectations have to be, you know, there has to be a level of gravitational pull of reality. You can't have like these crazy 
expectations that I think a lot of people today, and listen, everybody likes to be treated like a queen, but today with social media, when people are hooking up, they have these grandiose expectations right away, and I think with marriage, you just develop a friendship, right? A yeah, am I right? Absolutely. And you, you, you accept each other, there's a lot of acceptance, there's a lot yeah. of... You know, it's not like compromising. All, you're not on all the time. Like, you're not on yeah. all the time. I have a fact, question. My Do husband doesn't think I'm funny at all. Do you marry your best friend? Is that actually the case, or is that just right? Do you consider say? your spouse your best friend? Uh, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> Joanne says yes. Irene says no. Joanne, no. yours is. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, That's sweet. by definition. Hmm. Yes, because I spend the most time with her. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, I love my dog too. Uh-huh. But I guess. I, I was in a relationship for four years. That was mm-hmm. my longest one ever. This was going back decades. And I found, and this was a problem, that there were, uh, if I had something I needed to talk to someone about, I wouldn't want to talk to him. I'd want to talk to one of my friends. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys, if, 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 like, who's the person you go to? Is it always your spouse? Not, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say always, yeah. because it depends on mm-hmm. what it is. Like, when I want to talk about something with comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't give a shit. No. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, when it's something that I just don't think that she uh, is in, experienced in, mm-hmm. you know, frustrations of comedy. I mean, she'll listen to me if I talk about being frustrated and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, I'll have, I like to talk to other comedians sometimes about that. But overall, I think I, I do tend to go to her to talk about most things. Irene, you said your husband's not your best friend. Uh, you know, he's not my best friend. And, um, you know, thank God, because um, I expect a lot more out of my best fucking friend. <laughs> it's that simple, okay? Expect a bigger Fuck dick. you, Steve. I'm just kidding. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Love those two ladies. So this last clip is from our Best of 2021 show, which aired January 1st of this year, 2022, um, and this is Daniel Reichard and p- his husband, Patrick McCollum. Daniel has been on our show multiple times. He, I originally reached out to him. Uh, I was a fan of his. He was in the original Jersey Boys on Broadway and uh, asked him to come on the show. And then after that, he became a fan of ours. And a lot of people out there know this show because Daniel Reichard told them about, uh, told them about it. So I want to thank him for that. But he was on multiple times. And this was the one time he came in with his husband, who's an acclaimed choreographer, Patrick McCollum. They are the most adorable couple. And they uh, came into the studio and performed an original song for us that they had written. Um, Joey DeGrandis was, again, guest co-hosting. So take a listen to this delightful clip from June 26, 2021. When I saw you guys in Fire Island last summer... Which, by the way, was such a joy. I, so I, went, I went to Fire Island. Amazing. It was the height of the pandemic. Oh, I miss it. <laughs> Although cases were down at that point. Yeah. And uh, I was in a house with like eight other guys. And these guys were at their beautiful house. And they stopped by the pool with a ukulele and performed for me. Yes. Oh, and I'm hoping you brought it today. I did. Yay. <laughs> now tell us about this uh, song that has, I think, become your signature song. Well, one of them. (laughs) Oh, good. You have more than one. Yeah. Well, basically what happened was we were were hanging out with uh, a dear friend, Christopher Spaulding, and at our apartment in the West Village. Thank you, baby. Yeah. And we were talking about, oh, I had been listening to, like, Hawaiian songs because I was trying to think of, material just to move forward when we 
go out and about and there was this song called the Hawaiian turnaround and I thought well it'd be so fun to like write a fire island version of this so a parody Patrick <laughs> Patrick uh, Chris and I just got wasted and just wrote 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 just in one sitting this whole thing was written and we like we were just on fire and it just and, and so we do still sing it a, quite a lot now, for listeners who have not been to Fire Island, I'm sure you're still going to find this delightful. You don't need to know that much. There isn't a whole lot of... I think it paints a portrait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've ever been to any sort of gay vacation, I think uh, a lot of this will apply. Yes. So without further ado, here's oh, Daniel Reichert and Patrick McCollum. Oh, I didn't even warm I'm up. so excited. Performing their original composition. <laughs> this... The ukulele is so cute. It sounds good to me. Can you, it's so little... can you hear it okay? Okay. Fire Island turnaround. Hit it, boys. When you arrive in the harbor, there's an unmistakable sound. Everywhere that music is found, the Fire Island turnaround. Twinks that say yas. You hear them at the start and end of every song And you'll find your yassing along The Fire Island Turnaround Beautiful views, every direction Tropical hues, picture perfection Houses astound, each time you turn around Sip and twirl, you're sipping and you're twirling, you're caught up in a whirl. Then the poppers fall on the ground, the fire island turn around. Breakfast rosé, some push-ups and some squats, and now you're set for the day. Never eat, you may lose a pound, the fire island turn around. This guy you've seen a couple times at the gym. Now your one true love has been found. The Fire Island Turnaround. Brush your teeth twice. Take your true vada. Clean out your hole. You know you oughta. You might end up. Turns on a meat rack mound. Taking your pill, you're dancing by the speaker, then you start to feel ill. Toilet paper's not to be found, the fire island turn around. to choose which with blurry vision make a strong dream then we'll go back to town when you get home 
that moment when your feet are finally touching the ground. All at once your pen station bound, the Fire Island Turnaround. This is the Fire Island Turnaround. Yes, Queen. This is the Fire Island Turnaround. Oh, 5HTP. This is the Fire Island Turnaround. Last Ferry. This is the Fire Island Turnaround. Yes, Queen. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm transported back to Fire Island. Yes. I'm there. I'm there it's right Fire now. Fire Island in three minutes. <laughs> Thanks for the memories. And boys, if you're listening, I still have Patrick's pink tank top from Pride. Call me. And now we come to the top 10 most downloaded ass episodes of all time. Yes, and Ann Steele is going to accompany us with our uh, Pride update song. Love will take us there. So I'm happy to report that of the top 10 most downloaded episodes of all time, five of them are from 2022. Nice. So this was a pretty big year for the ass. Three of the episodes are from 2021. One is from 2020. And one is from 2019. No episode from 2017 or 2018 made the top 10. Hmm. You got better. Maybe. And it's interesting because this has changed a lot since the last time we went through these. But we're going to start with number 10. And it's when we had Time Out New York critic Adam Feldman on to talk about the biggest bombs since 2000. The biggest Broadway bombs since 2000. The name of the episode is Adam Feldman Blasts Broadway Bombs, March 29th, 2022. Number nine is Johnny McGovern Go-Go's for the Gold. That's episode 230 from April 19th, 2022. Episode 211 is uh, number seven. That is Jack McEnroth Opens Up for Us, November 17th, 2021. Episode uh, 222 is number six on the list. This will make you happy, JB. It is Drew Lausch Saves the Day. It's one of those times he showed up at the last minute to fill in for someone, and that was February 15th, 2022. I think that was actually the day Marvin Cortez ghosted us. (laughs) Episode 101, speaking of Daniel Reichard, was Daniel's first appearance on the S. The show is titled Daniel Makes Us Reichard. And that was July 10th, 2019. That is number, let's see, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, wait. That's number six, I guess Drew, wait. (laughs) Yeah, Drew Lausch was number seven. Uh, Number five is episode 231, Milking Coach Lends a Hand. That was from this past April. Uh, Milking Coach is the masturbation expert from Bait World. He was actually a great guest. Great interview. Episode 206 is number four on the list. It is Dolph Dietrich Bears It All, October 14th, 2021. I just want to point out that both Dolph Dietrich and Jack McEnroth made our top ten separately. That's pretty impressive. Uh, episode 188, another porn uh, porn icon, Luke Trung. Luke Trung Bottoms for Us, June 1st, 2021. That's a great episode, and I love him. So that's number three. The number two most downloaded episode of The Ass is, we were just talking about him, Sanjaya Malakar comes out August 22nd, 2022. And the number one most downloaded Ass episode of all time, Rocco Steele Comes Clean, episode 166 from December 9th, 2020. 
Here to accept his award for the most downloaded episode of all time is Rocco Steele. Oh, wow, what an honor. I had no idea so many people downloaded me. I'd like to thank the Adam's Thanks Show, and I'm really bummed that you guys are leaving. I wish you all the best for the future, and Adam, I still want to plow that ass. And I do want him to fuck that ass. Although, let's be honest, I don't, I don't think I could really take it. No, I don't think. No. You could get warmed up. Uh, I could get, like, a couple uh, inches. But the thing with Rocco is he's not just long. He's super thick. It's like an uh, arm. Yeah. But it'd it's be like so, reverse birth. Like, again, once you once it originally goes in, and he, because, again, we all seen Rocco's point. He's very gentle going in at first. He's knowing he has a big dick. Baby, he's going to open you up, and you're going to have a great time. And you know you know it's going to Can be I have you there as my pussy pallbearer? Yes, pussy pallbearer. Oh Thank God, you. Yes. Carl, throw it back. Thank you. Throw it back. <laughs> Coach him through. Listen, Rocco, if you're ever in New York, I will try. Uh, I just don't want to promise anything. And that brings us, ironically, to the end of the ass. I cannot, uh, I can't say enough. I can't thank all of you who have listened and let me come into your homes and your cars and your ears and your holes. <laughs> week after week for the past five years, I especially want to thank Derek and Romaine again for giving me this platform. You guys are the best. JB for hanging in there by my side all these years. Thank you. Running the board. Thank you. I love you. You're a very special person. I love you. Thank you for giving me my technically first radio job and to understand this. I think the future holds big things for you. And you and I will continue to stay in touch, of course. Of course. Um, I want to thank Steve, who had to leave us early today for doing... Not dead. He he didn't (laughs) die. He just had to go see a show. But I want to thank him for doing such an amazing job co-hosting over the past year. And, of course, Ryan Frostig for being my co-host for most of the five years. Um, Any uh, final words, Patrick, JB? I'll just say, as a fan, I am going to miss you. I'm going to continue to listen to the episodes. I think it's incredible the amount of work you guys put into this. And these are, it's a gem. Thanks, baby. These five years are a gem. Thank you so much. JB, last words? Um, Last words, honestly, you guys, I feel like these are my last parting words. And I can't, it wouldn't be me if I didn't leave you with, uh, this is fuckery. And your life is going to be fabulous. Fabulous. Let's keep doing fucking shit. Thank you, baby. I thought uh, I would leave the listeners with a special song. This is our show theme music. It's called Ignite to Light by Pipe Choir, which is an American alternative rock band formed in Cleveland, Ohio in 1991. The band was founded by Michael J. Bostwick. And, you know... Five years ago, when I was looking for show theme music, I just came across this song when I was searching for royalty-free music. Um, This full version you've never heard before. You guys have probably heard about a minute of this song, but the full song is almost nine minutes long. You can listen to it on YouTube. It's got words to it. It has vocals. You never knew that the ass theme song has words. So as we say goodbye for the last time, I thought I'd let you guys hear the entire song. And you can hear more of Pipe Choir at pipechoir.com. My sincere thanks to all of you for listening today and for the past five years. I love you. Make sure that you continue to support dnrstudios.com. Visit me at adamsank.com and buy your ass merchandise there. Keep following the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Follow me on Instagram and Mastodon. 
and Tribal and Post. I'm at I'm at Adam Sank at all of those. And on TikTok at Adam Sank Official. Email me anytime you want at Adam at AdamSank.com. Have a great life, bitches.
Thanks for the memories. Hey, it's Adam again. I'm still here. Uh, I wanted to play for you guys some really lovely listener voicemails that we got uh, once I announced that I was ending the show. So thanks, you guys. Here you go. Hey, Adam. Well, it saddens me to hear this news. I've been in tears off and on since I heard it on your podcast. I understand your reasoning, and I, I wish you only the best in your future endeavors. And I know this is about you, but for a sec, let's just make it about me, okay? I'm going to leave you with one question, and that is, where will I find another hot, witty, 50-something Jewish bottom that makes me laugh? Saturdays will never be the same. Thanks for all the good times, Adam. Take care of yourself. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Hey, Adam. Uh, my name is Ted, and I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm a regular listener to the ass, and uh, as well as Derek and Romaine. But you asked for some phone calls to call in uh, about your sign-off on the program. Um, sorry to hear that you won't be doing the show anymore, um, but I understand you got to move forward and do something, you know, do something different that maybe, or, uh, you know, at least stop wasting your time, so to speak, with the podcast. But just want to let you know, I don't necessarily have a, a favorite episode because I tend to forget them pretty quickly after they're over. Um, but uh, no, I've, I've enjoyed the show. I've listened from the beginning. And, um, you know, I think you do a great job. Uh, we did meet on one of the cruises. And um, I think you, you put on a nice, uh, a great um, comedy show. And, um, yeah, I think you have a lot of talent. And I wish you success in what, in what you do and your job going forward. So, anyway, uh, I'll miss you. And hopefully you'll do some guest spots perhaps on DNR from time to time. Uh, but, yeah, best of luck to you. And, uh Maybe we'll cross paths. Thank you. Bye. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Hey, Adam, this is Dan in Chicago and Palm Springs. Just want to say thank you for your podcast. I've been the listener since day one and have appreciated all the time and effort it took to create a quality podcast. I want to say I most appreciate all the work that went into getting and interviewing wonderful guests. That was the highlight, uh, especially your interview with John Fugelsang. I think that was uh, top notch, but you really had some great guests. And I know firsthand all the work it takes to put on a podcast, especially week to week. So thank you very much. And I wish you much luck in your next creative endeavor. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Hey, Adam, JB, Steve, Ryan, Ghost of ADG, Jeff, and anyone I've missed, I just wanted to thank you all for a very fun and memorable five years. There were so many good guests, and the interviews always got uh, better. Uh, you've always gotten new and more exciting things to do. It's a shame things haven't taken off more. Uh, again, I will say uh, that you are missing the chance to have your finale on the Feast of the Ass, uh, different kind of ass, but Feast of the Ass, January 14th, which is on a Saturday this year. Uh, but I am looking forward to seeing more from all of you, uh, hoping you all will get to do some more guest spots, uh, even though I will miss 
hearing a weekly ask. Lots of love, best of luck in the future. Uh, promote those socials again because I'm following you all and I'm sure everyone else could enjoy seeing more of you in the future. Take care, best of luck, bye. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Adam Singh, this is Robert from San Antonio. Happy to say I have listened to every single episode of your show and just wanted to let you know you will be missed. And just for the record, I'm an Android Windows person, so I don't use Apple products, which is why I could not leave a review on your Apple page. But anyway, best of luck on your future endeavors, and you have done a spectacular job at booking guests and being entertaining and dealing with technical glitches and very, very, very proud of you and the show you have produced. Best of luck, sir. Bye. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. I heard this terrible, terrible rumor that Adam Sank's program is going off the air over my computer. I don't know how you call this shit. Anyway, it was either a very bad dream or complete fuckery. That's all I have to say. I'm sorry. You're not allowed to do it. You have to continue on forever. That's all I got to say. And that's it. And I'll miss you all because you're wonderful, wonderful people. And you're like family. Mwah. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Adam Sank. This is Romaine Patterson. And I just wanted to call in and tell you how grateful I am that you've been a part of the DNR network for so long. Oh, we're so old. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you for all you've done. Thank you for putting together such an amazing show, and we're going to miss you. But something tells me you will see you from time to time on the Ye Old Derek and Romaine show. In the meantime, miss you already. Love you. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Hi, Adam. This is uh, Travis in Connecticut calling. I just wanted to say I'm sure everyone, I feel the same way as everyone. I'm, I'm sad that you're leaving, but I understand it. And I uh, want to say thank you for all the wonderful shows you did give us and the great voices you brought on. I emailed you to just tell you how much I loved your interview and interviewing and uh, just all the people around you, too, that you bring up. I guess all the assholes. Is that, <laughs> I guess it's too late for a nickname for us. But anyways, uh, I guess this is ass close to the wind. Take it out. There you go. All right. <laughs> I can't wait to see what comes next for you. All right. Thanks, Adam. Bye. End of ass. Thanks for the memories. Hey, Adam. This is Deej. I want to thank you for the many years of doing the show, and I want to apologize for not leaving your review. Yes, I was one of those bitches. I listened to so many podcasts, and I'm sorry. I didn't really think it would make a difference or much of a difference, but I just want to say how uh, handsome you are, how sexy your voice is, but not, but more importantly, how relatable 
you are. And the uh, personal and intimate details you've shared about yourself and your life have really been appreciated because um, I have very few friends who I can talk to and talk to in a way that you talk to us on the show. And I don't want to make this message too long, but um, again, it, your show really means a lot to me just from little things like going and looking up some hot guy you you uh, told us about, you know, on Twitter or Instagram. Oh, Twitter. The, Twitter is the only social media I have. So I can't look you up on the other ones. So I'm really bummed about that. All right. Um, love you. Big hugs, big kisses from Atlanta, Georgia. And I hope to see you in some other Carnation, in, incarnation. 